0: Hi everybody, it's your host, Hannah OJ. Welcome to the Underrated Podcast. I know this isn't how I traditionally start off the show. I'd usually begin with a funny snippet from the episode. However, this is a pretty jam-packed episode this week. So I just thought we should kick things off with a little guidance from yours truly. Although the title is the Underrated Podcast, your girl is working her damned hardest to create a talk show out here, even when it's just me on the mic. If you're familiar with the Wendy Williams show, you know, when Wendy was actually on it, I'm going for a similar vibe in terms of the format of the show. So for now, I have three segments that make up my show, music, entertainment, and Hot Topics. The aim is to entertain you, at times educate you, but overall, I will be highlighting the creative works of women in the entertainment industry, and also chatting about the shit they'd be getting up to in their spare time, aka gossip. That's what the Hot Topics segment's for. Of course, creating the show is a process, so I may add additional segments at some stage, but for now, this is going to be the main format. So this week in music, I'll be discussing new releases like Lato's new album, 777. (sighs) Gonna have to stay tuned for new music to hear my thoughts on that child. And the no love extended version that dropped with Cardi B's verse added to it, the song and the video, amongst other things. But at the end, there'll also be a section where I do a deep dive on Joe Budden's interview with Nicki Minaj on the 9th of March. I know it was a little while ago now, but what can I say? A bitch had a lot to say on the subject. In entertainment, I'm going to briefly talk about Lizzo's new reality show, Watch Out for the Big Girls, that's on Amazon Prime. And the return of Selling Sunset, along with a new cast member, which the girls, the girls being me, are very excited about. And finally, in Hot Topics, I'll briefly be talking about the latest from Carl Crawford versus Megan Thee Stallion. And yes, I will be talking about The Slap. I don't even think I need to add more to that description since people have been talking about it nonstop since it happened. But just a fair warning, I recorded this segment on Monday, the day everybody found out about it. But of course, people have proceeded to do the absolute most since then, which has given me more to say, unfortunately. Sorry for the guys that are sick of it. Thankfully, I will be recording a new episode tomorrow with a few guests. So stay tuned for that next week, because that's going to be a good opportunity to discuss the drama that's unfolded since then. And that's been added to the story, which is countless people using this moment to vilify Will Smith, like he's an axe murderer or something. So I'm not really going to go into detail on that because, you know, that happened after I recorded on Monday, but stay tuned for next week's episode to hear my thoughts on people doing the most about it, basically. So that's it for me from now. As I mentioned, I thought it was time to give a brief explanation on the structure of the show so that you have a little bit more understanding on what I'm trying to achieve with the Underrated Podcast. But it's also to encourage you guys to always look at the chapter markers in the description to go straight to the parts you find the most interesting. I cover a whole range of different topics, so I understand that you may not be interested in every single thing I talk about. That's why the chapter markers are there to guide you. The chapter markers are your friend. Just kidding. Uh, but anyway, that's quite enough for an intro, I think. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show.
1: I want the whole lot. keep my sons in the playroom so me and you ain't never in the same room I t-
0: Holla! you see a beverage coming through. what's the holla? one of my favorite probably my favorite song on Queen even though it's not even like her rapping the best on there but love this song I wish I could put Wayne's verse on there secretly but you know the underrated podcast we will not bring a man into the forefront on a woman's song no we will not but I do love his verse <laughs> anyway I started off the episode with good form for a reason and that reason will become clear to you if you listen to the Nicki Minaj interview segment, because I just was thinking about all the songs on Queen after the interview, and I was like, I love that album. I wish she liked it more, because I don't think she does, but I really like it. Anyway, welcome to the show, guys. We've done all the pleasantries and the welcomings already, so let's just get straight into it. I
2: got hot sauce in my bag, work.
0: Okay, so we're gonna start with the music segment, as always a lot to unpack today so let go. We're gonna start with new music and first up is the 777 album which is Lao's debut album which came out on Friday. <sighs> you guys I cannot tell you how disappointed I am in this album I cannot lie. Firstly it's too much singing I understand a lot of the rappers male and female are rapping and singing right now but no didn't care for it. And honestly, I'm just tired. Like, I don't even think I have that much to say because if you guys have checked me out from the beginning, you know I really like rap music and I've been into the rap girls as of late, but I think where it gets tricky is that I'm getting older. So as I'm now like, you know, approaching 29, certain songs I can still appreciate because I can still twerk to it when it's summertime and when we're in the club I still appreciate it but you need to be saying something of substance after a little while after a few twerking tunes, for me to really fuck with you still you know and I feel like that's where I'm at now with a lot of the rap girls and I'm I'm just tired honestly I really like Lato and I became very interested in her from when Queen of the South dropped when you even look at her videos from being on the rap game at 16 you can tell this girl can rap so you can't convince me that at 23, 24, the age she is now, she couldn't go in if she wanted to. Hence why I was so excited for her album. Never again, honestly, like I, I'm over it. Like I'm not getting excited for a rap album anymore, unless it's somebody like Little Sims who has never let me down. It's like, it's gonna, It's literally just gonna be like, if I fuck with it, I fuck with it and I'll talk about it, but I won't get my hopes up anymore. There's not one song on Lara's album that did it for me. She was rapping three times harder on her funk flex freestyle than she was on 777. The only song I really fucked with was Southside, which was already a release from before. It was one of the promo tracks on there. That's the only song I would say it's given me the lotto that I want. I think, was it Sleep Sleep or whatever it was all right, but it's just like, like a thug. It, they were okay, but I'm not going to go back to them. Do you know what I mean? Like It's just, it, for me, just in and, and the intro, she's going crazy, but this intro, do you know what I mean? It's not even really a song, it's the intro to your album. So it's like, Oh, why sis? Why? I don't get it. Like, I feel like I was hoodwinked, bamboozled a little bit because I'm seeing her on her interview run last week. She was on Big Boy, The Breakfast Club, Hot 97. She went on the Joe Budden podcast and I listened to all the interviews. So I was like, oh, these are a lot of platforms that when it comes to like rap, hip hop fans, I'd say the men pay more attention to these platforms. So maybe that means she'll be rapping, rapping on this project. I think I let that gas me more than anything because I'm aware at this point that, some a lot of the girls can rap but it doesn't mean their music's gonna be good do you know what i mean which is really really a shame i don't understand why so yeah i thought seeing her on her interview and i was like oh maybe she'll be spitting spitting boy was i wrong i don't know who this is for but it ain't for me i wanted muwap lotto no hook lotto youngest and richest lotto even as far as twerking tracks go we're gonna say that bitch from the south preferably the remix because, you know, Trina, the queen of the ratchet rappers (laughs) is on there, on God, in and out. All of those tunes are twerking tunes, but they're way better than anything on 777. So for a debut album that had such a loud rollout, I'm just very confused. But hey, when I look online, the little girls seem to love it. And that's another thing I'm done with, like, trying to look for real criticism online because it just stands now. It's just like, okay, cool, whatever. You lot love it, go crazy then. But I still like Lato. That was my main takeaway from watching all her interviews. She came across very likable. She seems very sweet. I love a woman who isn't afraid to be transparent and vocal about the fact that she's still learning a lot of things in the game. Like, how can you fault that, you know? I even like the fact that she was honest and vocal about the fact that she didn't know Fantasy, which is um, Mariah Carey's song where she sampled for Big Energy. I even like the fact that she was like, yeah, I was like one or something when that song came out. Or Like I was like a baby. Like, yeah, no, I don't. And fair enough. Like, I think you should do a little bit of research to when you're sampling a song to what the song is. But come on, we know how this shit goes. The label played it for her. They said it's a big tune. It'll be good for radio play. Let's do it. And she was like, all right, cool. So I don't even judge her or fault her for that. So I love that she's not afraid to be honest and transparent. Also, I do want to add that the Big Energy remix came out today. I don't know why it came out on Monday when the album came out Friday, so weird. Something to do with clearing, I'm guessing, but it's just very odd. Like, why wouldn't you have on the album? Anyway, um, so she's been teasing who this feature is. We found out over the weekend that it was Mariah Carey. Lara tweeted the 777 and butterfly emoji and Mariah responded with the eyes emoji. I was very surprised, I can't lie. I could swear she said it was a female rapper on The Breakfast Club. I, I, maybe she didn't say rapper. Maybe she said artist, but I could swear she said female rapper. Anyway, uh, my personal bets were that it was either gonna be Nicki or Doja, but I guess not. I am very happy for Lara, regardless. At the end of the day, having Mariah Carey on your debut album is a big flex. Big, big flex. And it makes sense because it was a sample of her song, Fantasy, like I said earlier. So it makes total sense. I don't like big energy. But the remix does sound better with Mariah Carey on it. Obviously, how, how can Mariah's vocals not add a lot of Not sure what DJ Khaled's contribution was other than his usual shout in because the production sounded the exact same as the original to me, but there we go. Cause it's featuring DJ Khaled and Mariah Carey. No, it's actually Mariah Carey and Lato featuring DJ Khaled. It's very odd, but cool. Happy for Lato. I hope this album does what it needs to for her. But I personally wasn't really fucking with it. I would love you rappers to make music for grown women. I would really, really love it. <laughs> like, please. The ones that are talented and actually good. Even Southside, like her energy on there. I love it. Like, I I want that lot, you know. But hey, is what it is. Like I said, I'm done. I can't be raising. I can't be having my hopes up every time a rapper that I'm pretty sure is capable is about to drop something. And then it turns out to be trash. I've done it too many times. I'm over it. <laughs> over it. But yeah, with regards to the Big Energy remix, it's still not my favorite song. So I probably won't be going back, but it is better than the original. So I will say that. And that's my thoughts on the album. So onto the little bit of gossip around the album. Lara went on Big Boy. I think that was her first interview. And she was talking about a male feature on the album, trying to smash. Let me just play the clip for you guys.
3: Like, I'm clearing my album right now, and it's been, like, difficult to deal with these men. You know what I'm saying? They right. they don't know how to keep it business, and then they want to, like... What do you mean by that? So, like, I don't care. Like, baby, I'm going to just keep it 100. It's a feature on my album Um, that it was, like, it was difficult to clear, and they, like, trying to drop their nuts on me <gasps> because I won't respond to a, a DM. Wow. Yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. Is it a... And, and without saying the name, uh, but
0: is it artist or producer or... Sorry guys, the clip cut off there, I didn't realise it, usually I get them from Neighbourhood Talk, this one was from the Jasmine brand I think, so it cut off at the end, but she did confirm that it was an artist, it's not funny, sorry, it's just the reason why I'm like chuckling a little bit is because it was so obvious, and this is why everyone deduced it was Kodak Black, because literally when you go through the features on her album, the male features that is, well, actually, there, is, there are no female features apart from Mariah. That's actually another critique that I forgot to mention earlier. It's a sausage fest. Another sausage fest for a female eye is annoying. Um, but when you go through the male features, 21 Savage, Lil Wayne, Childish Gambino, Lil Dirk, Nardo Wick. I think, yeah, that's a male feature, but I don't know who that is. And Kodak Black. I'm sorry. It, 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 you're going to immediately jump to Kodak Black. And Kodak Black did not help himself because he's, Previously said On The Breakfast Club And I'm gonna slip in that clip For you here as well He's told on himself Where basically He expects female artists To fuck him In the studio Otherwise why are we doing music Like you can literally tell He's like but Why would you expect me to Anyway let me play the clip for you It depends on like How y'all vibing and shit but, uh, you, you gotta be uh, careful you,
4: Yeah my you gotta fem- be
0: careful artists, Look
2: my female artists Is just how it is right mm-hmm. Cause I know niggas And shit like that I gotta bust like they' gonna be my girlfriend, but it's like
4: I'm am am I'm a, I'm gonna bust them. No right man, so, like, no. You gotta so keep that's not here, that, that's not good business, business Kodak, like, at, at all. Keep
0: business, but girls is like you gotta have a man. So it'd be like okay, my female artist is like I'm a problem. You know what you I mean? wanna give me a hard time with this shit?
2: Yeah, but you can't expect them girls to give you something just because you're
0: doing
1: music with them.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. So why you expecting <laughs> yeah, so why, so why expect niggas to do music with me?
1: Just like you because do music for other people. with are other artists. Women are artists too. You have a female
3: artist, right, signed to you. Is it mellow rock signed to you?
0: BVS's. BVS. BBS is signed to me. Okay. All right. That's and so, so wouldn't you want other men to work with her and be okay with that? And that's where the clip ends. So you heard him. I mean, I barely understand the nigga, but. I gathered enough. I'm a bust and clearly means I'm going to have to fuck him. And I don't know if you guys caught that where he said you need to have their mind. I was like, oh, it's like that. Okay. So we're supposed to believe that it wasn't you that didn't want to give Lato a feature unless she fucked you. We're supposed to believe that that's not true? What we're supposed to believe is Childish Gambino? Or Wayne? Mm, Perhaps, you never know. But... (laughs) if I had to bet money it's Kodak Black and he told on himself because it wasn't even just that old clip that the blogs reposted he also tweeted right after and the best thing is when someone doesn't name and shame you just say nothing even if you're pretty sure they're talking about you it's just stupid because it makes it look like it's most definitely you let me get to the tweet so Kodak tweeted, that mulatto girl is not talking about me, homie. Not that mulatto girl. I see your steady reaching. Lol. Sure you ain't even saying nigga name on that shit. I don't know why the fuck you're trying to make a nigga wear the jacket. I'm too fly for that shit, homie. Anywho. um, not really sure what to make of that, to be honest with you. Just like... <laughs> okay, so... We're reaching, are we? Okay, you literally said it yourself, but we're reaching, cool. Then on Friday, the day the album dropped, his DJ entered the mix. And I'm like, you lot need to stop because you're literally making it so fucking obvious that it's him. He said, let me fill you in on what this bullshit with Lato is about. She asked for a feature a while back. We charged her our normal rate and she wanted a swap. Since her verse won't really do anything for us, we asked for a swap for our female artist and charged her substantially less. She declined and said she was not going to use the record. Out of the blue, she decided to accept a higher fee and still not offer a swap for our artist. Talk about empowering fe- fellow female rappers. Now she's on some bullshit that she, w- oh, you tried it. Now she's on some bullshit that she was made uncomfortable and holding up your album. I know you're not talking about us, you are on your diva shit when no one is getting in the car playing your records. Your whole album... Sorry, because the punctuation grammar is all over the place. I'm actually getting confused. Your whole album had legal issues. I'm on the email chain. Stop trying to pull this fictitious fueled empathy card for sales. Why would you be on the email chain if it has nothing to do with you? You're... It... Do you work with her? Because why would you be on the email? Anyway, you try to assassinate my brother's character. I'm going to try and assassinate yours. But she never said his name, now. What's wrong with you? And that's why she won't say a name. Okay, so why are you atting him then? (laughs) Like, atting him more? She's full of shit. She knows if she keeps things general and up for assumption, she's going to get her pity party. Oh, my God. She's getting her pity party because this happens a lot. And it looks like it's happened in this case because why are you still talking? He went on and I just can't be bothered because it's just all bull. It's all crap. But I'm just like, you're just making him look guilty. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that it's him to me, but it's just like, why? Why did you? Anywho, there's that. There was also some randomer claiming that he co-wrote up and down for Lato and Saucy Santana and didn't get credit. Didn't really care about that. Didn't take notes. I just wanted to mention that it happened. You know, Lato doing what she needs to do for the album run. I'm glad that she was actually very transparent about that experience in the industry. You could tell she kind of regretted it when they asked her about it on The Breakfast Club, because they asked her directly, is it Kodak? And she said, I don't want to say who it is. For me, that said enough, because I feel like if it really wasn't him. Like, I feel like if he had said, is it Lil Wayne or is it Childish Gambino or is it 21 Savage? She would have been like, no, it wasn't him. So I feel like for her to not. And maybe that's why they got mad and did all of this. But, sir, you literally said it yourself that you expect female artists to fuck you. So otherwise, why are we in the studio? You literally said that yourself. So please stop acting like it's Lato that blew up your spot or something. Like you didn't put that shit out there yourself. And that's all I have to say. Um, But yeah, I love Lato, but wasn't a fan of this album at all. Dreezy came out with a freestyle the other day. It's called COVID Flow Freestyle. I was fucking with it. I was wondering why she didn't drop it earlier because she blatantly wrote it in the pandemic. But either way, I liked it. I thought it was good. I hope Dreezy gives us a project at some point, a good one, to be clear. I have to say that now, because I genuinely think she's dope. I would like to see more from her. Gifted, Came out on Friday Which is Coffee's debut album I actually need to have another Listen to that properly Before I really give my opinion on it I just want to quickly mention it Because while we're on new music I was listening to it at work So I was only half paying attention Because I was actually doing work (laughs) Go figure Uh, On a Friday It was actually randomly busy on Friday Because usually my work is not busy on Friday But boy I had shit to do So yeah from what I heard I feel like West Indies And Lockdown Are the best songs on there Which had already been released And I'm already in love with so I'm not sure what I think overall. Like I said, I need to give it another listen because I don't want to just, you know, say anything about it really, because like I said, I was only half paying attention, but I, I'm, it was a nice vibe. I'm pretty sure I actually talked about West Indies on the show when it came out. I really love that song, but I need to take another listen to critique the whole album in its entirety because I really felt the coffee, so I'm not going to do it like that. Also, Lizza was on the Late Late Show with James Corden the other night and she did announce that she will be releasing a new album next month on the 16th of April. Really excited for that. I love Lizzo. And it's been a while since we've heard new music from her. I mean, I did talk about rumors when I came out on the show, I hated it. So if I'm being frank, so I really, really hope this will be a good project. She did play a snippet of the, one of the songs on the album, which is called About Damn Time. And the song sounds good. It was a really, it was a real vibe. Like everyone was dancing in the audience. Gabrielle Union was on stage. Then they were like, just getting. Obviously, they were going to do that anyway. But it genuinely seemed like a vibe. It was like, like it was very eighties funk. I liked it. No word yet on the name of the album, but Lizzo did do an interview with Variety last month, where she did give some details. This is a quote from the interview. Broadly, I've been working on this album since the summer of 2018. It has evolved to a place where I'm proud. It's one of the most musically badass, daring and sophisticated bodies of work I've done to date. I'm not done. I'm still pushing out the hits, baby. And I hope that it is some of the most useful pieces of music to ever exist. All I want to do is help people through my music. I think that I'll never be the kind of artist that's like, this album's about a story I wrote. It's not real. I'm just always a very personal, like I'm talking to my friend on the phone with really good music behind me type of bitch. I will say this, it's a love album. I'm shocked. So, just to clarify, the end of that quote, she was basically saying, I'm never going to be someone that writes about something that's not really happening. Like, it's a story. It didn't really happen to me. I'm just very personal with my music, and it's going to be about me and my story and my, what I'm going through with love, which, which makes sense. That's that I feel like that's what I should be doing. So, I'm very excited by that. It was a very interesting interview, by the way. One interesting takeaway for me was that Lizzo auditioned for Ursula in the live action Little Mermaid movie and she didn't get it. I never heard that. She was like, everyone knows. I was like, I didn't know that. I was like, no, she would have been great at that, I think. That's actually a shame. Melissa McCarthy ended up getting the part. So shout out to her, I guess. No shade because I do like Melissa McCarthy as well. And I think, but I just think Lizzo would have really given. I I don't know. I think that would be cool. But yeah, it was a good interview anyway. Lizzo also has a new reality show on Amazon Prime, which came out on Friday as well. And it's called Watch Out For The Big Girls. So stay tuned because I'm actually gonna be talking about that briefly in the entertainment segment this episode. Um, But yeah, new music from Lizzo expected next month. Very excited. So just a few quick mentions. No Love featuring Cardi B and Scissor by Summer Walker, the extended version of the song. Yeah, they did that. It came out on Friday, video and song. Now for the song, I love Cardi, and I actually do like her verse. She's singing on it, and I'm not mad at singing Cardi. I know what I said about Lato singing and the rap girl singing, but Cardi doesn't sing very often, so I'm not mad at when she does, because I think Be Careful is like the only song that comes to mind with her singing, and I like Be Careful, so I'm not mad at singing Cardi, but adding her verse just wasn't really necessary, I don't think. I liked it, but it just seemed odd to bring the song back around just to add that part to it, but I guess it's just so the song can do bits for Summer, you know? The music video on the other hand, I love it. Beautiful imagery. All three women looked incredible. It would've been great to see more of Cardi. At first, I thought the purpose of her feature was more for the video. And I was like, ah, oh, that makes sense. You know, cause it's just oozing sex appeal. And the part with the pole, I was like, maybe they were thinking of the concept of the video. They were like, you know what it's missing? Cardi. And I was like, okay, that would make sense. But she's literally only at the start of the video in the field of red roses with Summer Walker. Both looking very fire, very sexy, very sensual. But I would have loved to see Cardi on the pole because, you know, Cardi used to be a stripper, so she's kind of an expert. But so did Summer Walker, which I forgot. And I haven't seen her ride the pole before, so it was actually a pleasure. <laughs> I'm not sure if Scissor used to be a stripper as well, but she was riding the fuck out of that pole. And I know we've seen that before on Good Days, but, oh, that pole part, it was just, it was, it didn't give, like, it was so beautiful, but sexual and sexy at the same time. I just loved it. it. Just it was great. Really, really dope. They they did they did it all three ladies, but it's particularly Scissor and Summer Walker. They they didn't come to play games at all where it comes to the video. So I'm really really fucking with the video, and I really love Scissor's part on that song. I just think her and Summer is the perfect combination on that song. I really like No Love. It's it's one of the only songs that I still go back to on Summer's last album. So that and Fourth Baby Mama. So. Somebody Like You by Brie Runway also came out on Friday. I really like this song. I think it's a really beautiful song. Brie's voice sounds really good on it. I really enjoyed the video too. She looked beautiful. I love the Navy dress she was wearing that had that shield thing that That look is really in now. And I, I really like it on her. And I was very impressed at the choreography too. It's a very slow, sensual R&B song. So you don't really expect a whole sequence. So that was a nice surprise. I'm very excited for what Brie will bring when it's album time, because I like Brie Runway and I really like this song. And yeah, I think that I'm, I'm intrigued to see what will come from her. Maybe I need to stop saying that because I feel like I'm jinxing it at this point. Maybe I'm not excited for anybody's (laughs) projects. How about that? None of you bitches I'm excited for. Just, please just make it good. I'm not excited, I'm not excited. Anyway, uh, in other mentions, Good Morning Gorgeous Remix by Mary J. Blyde featuring her. Another song they brought back around to put a popping artist on there so it would do bits. I get it, but did we need it? I don't think so. I like the song. It's one of my favorite songs from that project with Mary J Blige as well. Good Morning Gorgeous and so amazing. I think she did her thing on it, on both of them. I like the remix and I like hearing Mary J Blige and hers voices blend together. But again, like with No Love, I just don't think it was necessary to bring it back around just to add that. That's all. Calibre by Coco Jones. I've never actually spoken about Coco Jones on the show yet. She is one of the Disney Channel star babes. So... The younger girlies might, will probably be well aware of who she is. And she is currently playing Hilary Banks on Bel-Air, which is the reboot of The Fresh Prince that is currently on Peacock that I'm thoroughly enjoying. And Coco Jones is playing the fuck out of Hilary. I love what they've done with Hillary with her character. So Coco Jones is really doing her thing. I did look her up, uh, just do a little bit of research on her. And I've seen that she's been having issues with the Disney Channel and contracts. And, you know, what they've done with her career is just, it's just a lot of fuckery. So it's just the same old story, you know. So I'm very happy for her that she's now releasing music off of the back of her getting so much attention from Bel Air. I love that for her. And I hope that it she gains everything she wants to from the music industry because she's a really talented singer. The song is good, caliber. I don't know if it will be a returner for me in all honesty. However, I am intrigued for what else Coco Jones may bring. I, I I will stop saying that. That's the last time I'm gonna say that. Like I said, I saw the YouTube video where she explained her issues with the Disney channel and her challenges with them and her music. So I'm sure now that she's got a lot of people's attention, she's got some music in the tuck and that's great for her. When I took a listen to her old stuff, it was exactly what I expected. The exact type of songs that I would have loved when I was young and watching the Disney Channel, you know. But um, judging by caliber, she seems to be intending to go in a Summer Walker scissor direction with her music and delve more into R&B as opposed to pop. Here for it. Because I really see myself just leaning more on R&B and, and not even looking out for the rappers so much, maybe when it's summertime and when Little Sims drops. But apart from that, honestly, I think I'm just getting, I'm just over it, like I said. Or if Eve decides to come back after maternity leave and give us some fire, because Eve was my favourite rapper, I've said that before, here for it. Remy, here for it, you know? But yeah, apart from that, I don't know. I don't know, boy. I'm, I'm confused. I'm conflicted with my relationship with rap right now. Anyway, back to Coco Jones. Like I said, the song was good, but you know them ones where I'll probably forget what it sounds like by tomorrow. Like it, it just didn't grab me like that. But Coco Jones has my attention. <sighs> Do I want to talk about Blick by Coy Ray and Nicki? Not really, uh, it was trash. Like who's this song for? The hook is the laziest shit I've ever heard. I don't know why these girls are so desperate for a Nicki feature if they're just going to have her verse on any garbage tune, but anyway. Even when I hate something, I like to try and say something positive. So both Coy Ray and Nikki look good in the video. That's as much as I can say for the positives. And we're going back now because it's been a while since I've done a solo episode, but I just had to mention Sweetest Pie by Megan and Dua Lipa because I was surprised by how much I liked this song. I really liked the video too. It was kind of a dark Hansel and Gretel reenactment with a Megan the Stallion twist I loved. Megan Stalin has been credited as the creator of the concept as well. Some people online when the video came out were saying it's giving devil worship. What else is new? I swear this is the common critique for the more darker Tim Burton-esque aesthetics when it comes to music videos. I'm starting to feel like people just say it when they have no other comment to make on it. Because how do you know? Maybe, but maybe not. You could be wrong. And I feel like where it comes to that type of thing, that subject with like devil worship and who's sacrificed themselves in the industry, people always talk about it like with a matter of fact tone, like with some finality, like they have evidence, like it, like they've seen it play out. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know? Maybe you're wrong, whatever. I've been liking a couple of Megan Stallion's more recent videos, actually. Don't Stop, Cry Baby, even though I don't like the song. And now this one, I really like it. I like that Megan brings a bit of nostalgia in her music videos. Don't Stop is Alice in Wonderland. Cry Baby is like Toy Story, like that part where, what Toy Story 2, where they're like riding in the car and they see the Barbies and the other toys. Like it's very much giving, you know, Toy Story, like when the toy shop is closed, we play, we come out and play. I think those kind of concepts are cute, maybe because I'm 28 and that's, you know, nostalgia for me. So it's just nice to see it brought back to life. And kind of have a twist on it. I feel like that's real creativity for, for me personally. So I like Megan's music videos and I like that she's kind of getting more comfortable and in her bag when it comes to creating shit because she did her thing on that video. And so Do a Lipa, I just, I really like the song too. I was surprised because I didn't think I would, but I liked it. Okay, so announcements. We still in music, by the way. So Megan The Stallion will be dropping a docu-series soon. Everyone coming out with a documentary soon. So, I'm reading from Complex here. Deadline reports the untitled multi-part project is being produced by Time Studios and Megan's management company, Rock Nation. According to a press release, the documentary will feature a mix of rare archival footage and fresh Verite video, which will shed more light on the rapper's upbringing, rise to fame and multi-layered personality. Megan has quickly blossomed into one of the preeminent entertainers in the world, and it's a testament to her perseverance, resilience, and professionalism, Rock Nation CEO Desiree Perez said in a statement. Her journey is inspirational, and we're proud to have partnered with Time Studios to highlight her personal and professional trajectory over the years. Our hope is that the documentary will inspire viewers to stay the course and pursue their passions through the ups and downs. The series will be directed by Neka Onuora. Apologies if I pronounced that incorrectly, Legends of the Underground, who will serve as co-executive producer alongside Rock Nation's Perez and Laura York, as well as Time Studios, Ian Orifice, Lauren Hammonds, Alexa Conway and Mike Beck. So yeah, intrigued for that. It was nice to be a little fly on the wall where it comes to Megan and her creations process. So yeah, that'll be interesting. And Aneka, who, as Complex mentioned, is directing the docu-series, she did post on Instagram a picture of Megan, and the caption is, Yeah, baby, Megan the Stallion and Neka Energy, fire emojis. It's hot, girl energy season. This movie is a side of Meg you've never seen before. We're making a work of art. Just keep watching. Happy to be working with the studio that made Kanye's doc, Time Studios, and Jay-Z's Roc Nation. Let's get it. Hashtag Megan the Stallion. So yeah, intrigued for that. And while we're in announcements, Megan Thee Stallion will also be releasing her sophomore album this year. Like I said earlier, I've learned by now not to get my hopes up too high when it comes to the rap girls, even Megan. But I sincerely hope this album will be better than good news. And that's all I'll say. One last announcement, which I'm very excited about. I will allow myself to be excited for this because she's never let me down. Kalani is dropping an album next month as well. April is going to be a fantastic month for entertainment. I can't wait. It's going to be called Blue Water Road. It comes out on the 29th of April. So this is a quote from Kalani in Rolling Stone. Blue Water Road is a destination in my mind. I'm giving everyone access. It's an emotional journey, a sexual journey and a spiritual journey. To me, the album is like a glass house. It's light, transparent and the sun is shining right through it. So excited for this, I was so happy to read the announcement of Rolling Stone the other day So very, very, I'm even like listening to my favourite Kalani tunes over the last few days Because I was literally, I've had it in the back of my mind ever since I read it Because I'm so excited, you know when they just randomly announce it That they're dropping out and it's like in a month, it's like what? Oh my god, yes, because I didn't know when she was dropping a new project I really liked her last one though it was good until it wasn't. I really love that project. So I'm very excited for Killani's new album.
2: I got hot sauce in my bed,
0: okay, so we're moving on to the last topic in the music segment now. However, this is a chunky one. It's my analysis of Joe Budden's interview with Nicki Minaj that I mentioned at the start of the show. I know the interview was about three weeks ago, but I haven't done a solo episode since then. And I just have so much to say on this subject that I just could not talk about it. But if this isn't for you, please be sure to use the chapter markers in the description for guidance and skip right on ahead to the entertainment segment or the Hot topic segment. So, let go. There's a lot to unpack, so let's just get straight into it. I'm really just going to go through the main takeaways for me in the interview. I feel like it started off as a really good interview and then halfway through it kind of declined. Not that it was bad per se, but I don't know. Joe just didn't do that much. He didn't ask. I I can't even really think of one question that was like, oh, that's apart from the beginning. And this is why I'm starting here. So Nicki Minaj said, I was a lot of people's guinea pig. I was one of the first people to be shitted on on social media. I appreciated that little tidbit because you do often forget that Nicki Minaj's career blowing up did coincide with the rise of social media. As someone who was a teenager at the time, I was just kind of taking her in in all her glory. I don't even really remember seeing negative stories about her, but because at the time I wasn't on social media like that, but I'm sure for Nicki, it would have been a mad time. I can only imagine the comments she was reading and the fake stories she would have seen about her. So I, I appreciated that little tidbit. Then the muse part of the interview comes up. Nikki's talking about the type of women that Wayne would have in the studio. Joe Budden calls them creative support. Muses, if you will. Idiot. Um, Nikki says that she doesn't wanna downplay the role those women in the studio play. She said, and I quote, they have a big part in the journey of a rapper's career. They would actually give Wayne that fuel. I really like that she said that because she's so, there's so often a negative stigma on the women that hang out in the studio. So it's pretty cool of her to be like, hey, these women, a lot of you like to call hoes, actually play a pretty integral part in the journey of a male rapper. So I thought that was kind of cool that she said that. This led into what I personally feel is the only part of the interview that felt like a genuine moment of honest vulnerability from Nicki. So I'm actually going to play the clip because I think it's really important just to hear it in the exact way that she said it. His muses.
3: But I just was around them all the time and I was like sister. I was like the little sister with Wayne and Mac and all these boys, you know, J Mills and Goda and all of them. And all I would hear them talking about is big butts. <laughs> and I didn't feel complete or good enough. Good as them, as the other, as those girls because I'm like, oh my God, you know, this is what you're supposed to look like in the in, in our in the rap culture, and I don't look like that.
4: And now But that was you telling yourself that and not anyone else saying that to you.
3: No, yeah. They never told me that. Well, no, I'm lying. I think Wayne and I think they said stuff sometimes jokingly. Jokingly. But to a young um, girl, or up and coming rapper, or anything like that. When it's from someone like Lil Wayne, it matters, you know. Like, so even if they're joking, they don't know that the person that is there in that room with them is not finding it funny. They, he, they're thinking that, and and all, and this ha- now now that I'm older, I understand. Sometimes you'll say something in front of someone and you're thinking that they know, they know that they're pretty or they know that they're smart or they know that they're talented or whatever. You're thinking that this is what this person thinks about themselves, Mm. you know, so you'll say certain things around them or to them. Um, But you but a lot of times you don't know how insecure a person is or what their insecurities are. So when you say those, say certain things if around women, especially, you can never take them back. You know what I'm saying? So where they might have been playing with me probably thinking, oh, she's confident, she's good in her own skin, da-da-da-da. They don't know probably that I, that I always had that insecurity. Mm. So they're just joking. They didn't mean any harm, but it wasn't a joke to me. You know, I was laughing,
0: but I didn't find it funny. That last part where she says, I was laughing, but I didn't find it funny. And she said that a couple of times during that clip. And I I think this is why that was a really great takeaway for me, is that I really, really related to what she said. I, when I was younger, when I was about maybe 16 to like 18, maybe even 19, I, my primary circle was a group of guys. I was like the only girl that you would chill with them. And yeah, boys are, and men, they can be dickheads to their female friends. Because a lot of men just lack that emotional intelligence and tact. And they, a lot of the time, do make comments and say things that are hurtful to you. And you kind of have no choice but to laugh it off like a joke. But it's not funny. Like, it actually really hurts your feelings. And it does, you do internalize deep rooted insecurities from it because you will look at the women that they are attracted to and compare yourself to them and be like, oh, I must not look as good as them because these are the things that they'll say to me. So I can absolutely imagine the comments that Wayne and some of their men were saying to her about her ass. It, it hurts internalizing it and getting insecurities and, and I don't know if you guys caught where she said Wayne and then it, it sounded like she was gonna just say Wayne and then she said them like she kind of she changed it to them as a collective and maybe she just misspoke because I do that all the time so it's easy to misspeak but I, I just can't help but wondering if she was about to say it was Wayne specifically and then changed her mind because you, we know how much she loves Lil Wayne and for good reason but I do feel like, and she says unintentionally. And I feel that like, that's interesting because is it unintentional? Especially if it was coming from Wayne, because clearly Wayne was one of them. Cause she said when um, someone like Wayne says it, you take it seriously. So clearly whether it was just him or him and the rest of the rest of the guys, he said it at one or two points. And I wonder if it was as unintentional as she thinks it is because at the end of the day, she got arse shots, didn't she? And she went all the way overboard with it. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen pictures before her surgery, but it's like, whoa, like you got ass, ass, ass. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> no pun intended. So it's like, wow, Nick, like, are you sure he didn't really mean that? Kind of? Because Wayne wanted you to blow, you know? I don't know. I just feel like there is a chance that It was a little bit of manipulation, but I don't want to say that because maybe not. Like a lot of people, like I said, men specifically lack a lot of emotional intelligence and they would make stupid ass jokes like that and not have the the couth to be like, hmm, hey, maybe it's not that funny saying it after like three or four times. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's not that funny. Then later on in the interview, Nikki kind of contradicted herself a little bit when they went into the female rapper starter kit conversation, you know, the pink wig, the huge ass, um, you know, a lot of the, I don't even want to go into the aesthetic, but you know, a lot of the rap girls we look in the same these days. Nikki said that she doesn't think it's the men anymore, that it's the women thinking that this is what you need to look like to be a female rapper. And I'm just like, but baby girl, you just sat here and said that it was the men that you were hanging around who put that idea in your head that you needed to have asked to sell as a female rapper. Why would you all of a sudden think that this isn't happening anymore just because there are more female rappers out now? I'm sure she's right about that being the case with some female rappers, don't get me wrong, but I'm confident that a lot of men are still giving some of them that idea as well. I don't think it's just the women that are responsible for all the BBL pandemic that is, that is oh my God, it's crazy out here. Like Instagram is just ridiculous arse everywhere. Anyway. I was just a bit like, okay. It's weird that you think that considering your experience, but okay. Joe asked her at one point if she holds herself accountable for the R Shots BBL takeover. And her response was very interesting to me. She essentially said that she does. At first she didn't, but now she has a much better understanding of how listening to somebody's music who you love all the time can literally impact your behavior. She said, it's like programming, which it is. And then she said Future told her once in the studio people be thinking I take a lot of drugs because I rap about it, but they don't really be knowing I'm a lightweight. Nikki brought this up to say that you still can't really fault an artist because can you hold Future accountable for his fans getting into drugs because he doesn't clarify that he doesn't do it that much. And I was just like, uh, kinda. (laughs) Um, I get what she's trying to say. Of course, the person who's influenced by whoever rapper has to take some accountability because you still did it. But if Future can make drinking lean and popping pills the focal point in his music, see how it's influencing his fans, knowing that he doesn't do drugs like that and still doesn't feel the need to be a little bit more responsible with his lyrics. It just says a lot about him. I'm just saying. And maybe it's not all his choice. Maybe it's his label, whoever. But I'm just saying if if he has some control behind that and he kind of is like, nah, I'm still going to keep doing it anyway. Fuck that. And it's like, yeah, that is irresponsible And you can kind of blame you a little bit Like you do have some responsibility But anyway I honestly thought that was a false equivalency anyway Because I don't think that Nikki has done Anywhere near as much damage with her aesthetic As much as the Kardashians have But you know, we'll unpack that another day <laughs> This moves on to a conversation about how it's unfair To persecute rappers for what they say in their lyrics And Nikki points out that rap is really the only genre That's been vilified consistently from the beginning of time I kind of was in two minds about this because that is a statement I agree with. Not in two minds about that statement because I completely 100% agree with that statement. And I do think racism is one of the underlying reasons for that. At the end of the day, the majority of rappers are black and the few white ones that do get vilified it's because those same people look at them as quote unquote nigger lovers if we're being frank. So I do agree with Nikki, but when they started to compare it to actors playing roles in movies and asking if film directors or script writers are held accountable in the same way for violent movies... I feel like that's another false equivalency because when you watch a movie, you have an understanding as a consumer that it's fake. Whereas when you're listening to a rapper rap, the purpose of it is to tell people who you are. Even though we know that the entertainment industry is a lot of glitz and glamor, and we don't always really know who they are, but we, you know, it's easier to internalize that as this is who they are. Like they're telling me that this is a part of them. This was my initial thought process. That's why I, I say I was in two minds really. But then she and Joe kind of almost had me when they offered Bruce Willis versus 50 Cent as an example. So Nikki basically posed a question like if Bruce Willis now had killed somebody or was it Joe? One of them said, um, if Bruce Willis now killed someone, uh, would like everything he'd been doing, like in the diehard films and that would that be brought into court in question? And, you know, would there be a discussion about how we have to stop or be careful with certain violent movies? Um, no, not really. But if 50 Cent now was to go and murder someone, would they bring power into the court of law? Possibly I was like they almost have because I was like oh yeah they have a point there because I can't lie if 50 did go out and kill someone now I do feel like they might but then at the same time I just feel like it's stupid too like I feel like that would be laughed out of the courtroom honestly I feel like especially since 50 Cent is a rapper who has violent lyrics at some point in his trajectory there would have been you know more violent songs so I feel like it's easier for them to just use that than Power, that just, it sounds, you sound foolish in my opinion If you're gonna say that the reason why someone murders people is because they write about crime Like as in, 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 on a TV show I do kind of get what they were trying, the point they were trying to make But I I don't really agree, but anyway Then they moved on to the Queen album Sorry, I'm kind of skipping ahead because obviously I'm not interested in everything But these are just my main takeaways from the interview So the Queen album discussion Nikki said a lot of bullshit was going on at the time and she doesn't really feel like the album was presented correctly. She doesn't feel like she even presented herself properly once the album was out in terms of what she was saying and how she was saying it. This is a quote from her. I wasn't in a good space mentally. I don't even think I should have had put that album out. Nikki went on to explain that the VMAs were coming up and one of her label mates was about to drop and she wanted to make sure each of them had their own week to drop something, which is fair. And for the project to also be out in time for the VMAs. She really regrets that choice now. She was like, that's stupid. You never base your art around an award show. Your art is your art. All that stuff can wait. Because when the art is great, all that stuff comes. You don't need to chase it. You don't need to figure that out. It figures itself out. That is so true. 100%. That's one of the biggest lessons I've been learning lately. And it's so crazy that as a creative, you really need to remind yourself that because Nikki is very far along in her career at this point. And she was still kind of trying to base it around stuff that, she now looks back on and reflects and said that shit didn't even really matter. Like, it's, it's crazy how it's so easy to get distracted and lost in, you know, things that don't matter and forget about what the important part is, which is your creativity. So that's so true. She said that she would have put out something else after that. But, you know, pregnant COVID child. That would have been pretty soon after Queen though. So she'd already been working on something. She clearly really doesn't like that project that much, which is so crazy to me because Queen is my favorite Nicki album. I know that some, I I don't know. Like, honestly, I don't really look, I'm trying not to look, especially nowadays, like less and less at what people are saying online, especially when it comes to Nicki's They're All Barbs. Like, I don't like to see opinions from people that are just going to say, everything they do is fire. Cause that's not your real opinion. You're just going to say everything she does. And that's just not and on Nikki. Like, even like I mentioned when we were speaking about Lotto, when I was trying to look for comments and feedback on her album online, it's just, oh, it's amazing. It's fire. Every song, no skips. I'm like, you lot are capping all your children, one or the other. So yeah, I'm kind of tired of looking online, honestly, at um, other people's opinions. So I have no idea what the major consensus is when it comes to Queen. But I feel like a lot of the majority of Nicki fans, their favorite is Pink Print. I like Pink Print too, but for me, in terms of bars, rapping, oh, Queen, Queen, Good Form, Hard Whites, LLC, Barbie Dreams. Yeah, she's going off on that album. I'm sorry. Queen is my favorite Nicki album so far. So I'm genuinely intrigued. I, I'm not, I, I'm literally like, I, I'm not lying about what I said earlier. I'm not really getting excited for any rap albums anymore. If it's fire, if it's fire, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it If I don't, I don't Like I can't keep like getting excited And the girls be disappointed me anymore I'm tired So Joe goes on to talk about how Where it comes to female rappers There's more of a concentrated effort to support each other Or if you don't like someone At least respect each other's space That's what he said And Nikki agreed with that And said that although that's true This didn't come from a good place She didn't want to elaborate on that And I thought that was intriguing Shade me thinks so. Joe also asked her about a possible versus Missy or Kim. I never even thought about Missy Elliott. So I was like, oh, that's a good shout, Joe. Joe was like, with respect to Foxy, Foxy Brown, it's not there. I agree. Uh, in terms of hits, and I'm sorry, like, I just don't think there's any point. Nicki just has her beat too easily, in my opinion. Um, Nikki said, with regards to a versus, she'd want to approach it as a rap fan and not Nicki Minaj. That answer lets me know that it probably won't be Lil' Kim. She threw so much shade at her during this interview that I won't even allow myself to be excited at the concept. Although I would really love to see it. If Missy is open to it, that would be dope too. I think Lauren Hill was thrown out there by Joe as well. I don't agree with that. I honestly feel like Lauren Hill was one of those artists that you can't even put her against anybody. The way that women can illustrate with her words, she needs to stand alone. I'm sorry. I don't feel like anyone can take on Lauren Hill in a versus like that. But I genuinely think Swizzy and Timbo need to work hard and arrange that Nikki Kim versus that we all want to see. We already know that Kim's open to it. I don't know if you guys saw on the red carpet for some of it. And I think DJ Envy asked her. I think it was DJ Envy anyway. And um, she said she's open to it. So yeah, Swizz Eat Timbo, make it happen. You know how Nikki is. Just throw in a couple of queens, your Royal Highnesses, whatever she wants to hear and make sure the bag is right. And I'm sure she'll come around. Come on, Nikki, you can be nice to her for one evening, one night, one night, you can do it. So Joe... Went on to ask Nikki about her documentary. She said she didn't even want to speak on it because her fans start making up things in their heads. It'll be out when it's ready. Her exact words, Barb's. You're getting on her fucking nose as well. (laughs) You should have seen the look on her face. You lot getting on her tits. She just won't say it because, you know, you sell her music. So yeah, no word on the documentary, but I am looking forward to that. I think it's going to be on HBO. So hopefully it comes out at some point this year. Then they move on to speak about her management company. Joe said he didn't think management would be something that she's passionate about. She said she started a management company to manage herself. She basically said, as opposed to having someone manage me and get a percentage of what she's built all these years, she'd rather create her own management company and have different divisions of that company. That makes sense to me. She also mentioned her record label that she's been talking about for a couple of years now. She said, I have a couple artists that I will start the label with, but I'll probably announce it closer to album time. Hmm. Intrigued to who the artists are. I'll probably, I feel like it should be girls that aren't really known. And girls are good, please Nikki. To give, you know, them a little bit of a chance to really, you know, get their name out there. What's Nikki up to? A few things. So Queen Radio, she's working with Amazon. Amazon about she just launched an app called AMP, I think it's called. I'm not gonna go too much into detail on that because it's not available here in the UK. So fuck you, man. I'm joking. But yeah, I'm not really gonna go into detail about that because it's not even here yet, so I don't really care that much at the moment. Um but it does seem like it'll be a really great opportunity for other artists as well as Nicki. It looks like it's going to be Clubhouse for Amazon in Essentials. She's also working with the director to take on a role in a movie. She's very excited about that and she can't wait to make that announcement. So no word on who the director is or what movie it is or what kind of role it will be but she did say it's the biggest role that she's ever taken on. It's so funny that I'm actually talking about this segment today because I literally watched The Other Woman for like the 50th time last night and hadn't seen it in a while because it hasn't been on like Prime or Netflix or anything until recently. So I love The Other Woman by the way. It was probably like the last chick flick that came out that was really good in my opinion. I think it came out like 2014 or something, but I love it and I love a good Cameron Diaz movie. Leslie Mann and Cameron Diaz are such great actresses. I just really love that movie and it's so funny. And I really like Nikki in it. It's so funny because I feel like most celebrities, whether they're art, whether they're rappers or singers or just like influencers, or whatever, when you see them in movies, they pretty much act like themselves. They don't really give much but that you don't see in them every day. So, but I really feel like, even though Nikki kind of was playing a version of Nikki, like I totally, firstly, she was her receptionist, Cameron Diaz's receptionist. And as a receptionist, I totally bought that receptionist that like, yeah, I'm here to be cute. Like Jeremy, you know I mean? like work. Like literally, um, it's a hobby that pays well. That's literally one of her first lines of the movie. Like, this is a hobby that pays well. I'm just here because I don't want to be in the house, child. Like, <laughs> I totally bought that from her. And just like she, she, I think she just gave a little more substance and wasn't just Nicki Minaj. And I actually feel like more intrigued now as to what this role is going to be. So yeah, like intrigued. I wonder what kind of movie it's going to be and yeah, what will what be given. And I'm not going to lie. I feel like after This project comes out Nikki should think about Transitioning into acting And just calling it a day Where it comes to music Because I feel like she'd be A good actress She's very I think she wanted to be An actress originally Like I think that She grew up wanting to be Like the performing arts girl Correct me if I'm wrong So that would make sense And she just kind of Is a character of herself Like I don't really know Who the real Onika is If I'm honest So I feel like She acts every day anyway So I feel like She'd be fantastic on screen And I don't know How much she has left to give Where it comes to like I mean, she has a lot to give, don't get me wrong, lyrically she's dope, but I just don't think she wants to make music for people that are going to, I think she's being strategic with her music and only making music that she knows only the barbs will like. That's my theory, because I don't think she likes hearing critique from women like me, basically, that are going to hold you accountable and not just bumlick you. We're going to tell you when we don't agree with the shit that you say, because she says and does some wild things. And I, don't th- and I think she's very aware that a lot of her fan base are not just barbs; They are grown ass women that grew up watching her and listening to her. And I don't think she likes hearing our honest opinion. And I feel like that has spilled over into her music. That's why I'm kind of like, don't want to be even excited, even for Nikki's album, if I'm honest with you. I'll see. I hope it's fire because I really liked her last one. Like I said, it's my favorite, but I don't know. So I'm, I think I'm a little bit more excited to see what this role will be, if I'm honest. Okay, so the Fendi... Kim Kanye part of the interview. I'm actually gonna play the clip of what she said. It's a a couple minutes, two or three minutes, but if you are still here, I would listen just intently to how Nikki is saying these things, and then I'm gonna unpack my thoughts. So here's the clip. But
3: obviously makeup and hair is my passion, and you know, clothes and sneakers is my passion. When I did my Fendi line, Um, I went to Italy and spoke to Sylvia and the company and, and she showed me the grid of how their how, how their clothes went up once my line came out. Right. And, um, she said prior to my clothing line coming out, they were not doing really well with the clothes that had the actual Fendi prints on. That everybody wanted to get away from the Fendi print. Okay. And I wanted to one to the Fendi print. And Chun Li said Fendi prints on, and that changed everything. Once Chun Li came out, I didn't have a Fendi deal yet. Once Chun Li came out and I said Fendi prints on, all the girls started posting and saying Fendi prints on. So Fendi, you know, gave me a, a deal, right? All of the stuff flew off the shelves, right? Um, I told Kanye about that. I was like, hey, look, you know, um, I'm about to do something. And I just wanted to make sure I spoke to you first, you know, because I have so much respect for him. And um he was like, well, if I did something with you, I don't think, you know, I, I think my wife it was a they it wasn't during this time, it was a while ago. He was like, my wife probably wouldn't love that idea because I would have, I should be giving that to my wife instead, you know? Um, If I was doing like um, a female version of the Yeezy's or whatever, it would mm. probably should go to my wife. And I, I understood, that's how you gonna tell sense. somebody about their man, uh, husband or wife, yeah. <laughs> so I said, okay, but I wanted to come to him first because I know what what I, I know my influence. Um, But at the same time, we have to be careful. We have to be careful. When we say things like, so Kanye was very vocal about the fashion industry not letting him in at one time. Mm-hmm. So if a black female rapper who you know has just shown herself um, to be sellable in that space, and this is not from Joe Schmo down the blog, it's from Fendi tell, saying, right? all of these things flew off the shelf. Then when I come to you as a black man that I look up to, I'm I'm doing that because you inspired me because you -hmm. you said the fashion industry didn't want to let us in, Mm -hmm. even though we're so influential. And then when I did ask, just, just put it on his radar. He said his, you know, what he thought, how he thought, his wife would feel about it. And we didn't really speak much more about it. You know, now I'm not saying that she said that. She wasn't there. So I want to make it clear. But that's what he thought that how she would feel about it. And so it is what it is. But we have to be careful, like, that when we put those things out there and when a door is open, that we do, you know, figure out a way to have another Black face there. You know what I'm saying? In that space because what's what's the point? If not, you know, that's why it takes us so long to get into um, so many things, even though we are
0: the most influential people on the planet. That was a very interesting portion of the interview for me. Firstly, Kim K is another Kim who caught shade at least three different moments during this interview, which I thought was funny. Secondly, honestly, this is one of those times where I see both sides in terms of Kanye making that decision and Nicki not being happy about it, which is what it sounded like. And it's like, I mean, she kind of didn't even really imply it. It was pretty obvious she wasn't happy about it. And honestly, I'm more inclined to side with Nicki, even though I do understand kind of Kanye's as well. Um, Kanye's decision from Nicki's point of view. It's like, oh, so you were crying about the fashion industry, not letting you in, and now black woman presents an opportunity to you to collaborate with a major fashion designer. You'd rather not do it because you prefer your wife to be the face of it. A woman, a white woman, who has already had such a history of cultural appropriation and seeding ideas from black women in the fashion industry. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> But from Kanye's perspective, it's like, forget Kim K is his wife for a second. It's literally like happy wife, happy life. It's that simple. So I do understand from his point of view as well. It's very ironic considering she's no longer his wife because he was making her life unhappy, but I digress, <laughs> I, I get it. I might even be mad if I were Kim too. I'm a woman who's been, if I'm Kim K, who's been trying to make moves in the fashion industry as well. And you do this with Nikki and not me, but then on the other hand, it's like, Fendi didn't reach out to you, babes. They reached out to Nikki. So like, honestly, I'm even though I see both sides, I'd be more inclined to sign with Nikki because bro, Kim K can handle her own business. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I understand, but I feel like to just turn it down and dismiss it as opposed to just discussing it with her and see how she feels about it. I guess he didn't really need to. I guess she just wouldn't have liked it. And he knows that, but it's just kind of like, I don't know. This is why Kanye only wants, <clears throat> he only remembers he's black when it's convenient, I'm telling you. I don't really talk about Kanye in here, so maybe I haven't been telling you, but yeah, I, I don't talk about that man for a reason. I also thought it was very interesting that as soon as Nikki finished saying that, Joe circled back to Queen Radio again. I'm thinking he either didn't give a fuck about the fashion side of things, or he didn't want to risk pissing off Kanye. I couldn't quite work it out, but I just thought it was interesting. Okay, so onto the trend setting conversation. I swear this part took up half of the interview and that was the biggest disappointment for me. Cause it's like, oh my God, Nikki, like really is that deep? Okay, cool. So Nikki raises the Billie Eilish example, basically talking about how Billie Eilish was on the cover of Vogue with green hair. So she goes on to describe how pink wigs were part of her signature look. Um, so she's basically insinuating, like, what the hell? I started the green hair thing. She goes on to describe how pink wigs are a part of her signature look. But when she do magazine covers, they'd always ask her not to do pink hair. But she'd always see a white woman like Lady Gaga on Katy Perry on the cover with pink hair. And what's really funny about this is after the interview came out, before I'd even written up all my notes, I saw that there was a few people, like YouTubers and some people on Twitter, saying... Lil' Kim used to wear pink wigs all the fucking time. What are you talking about? I Even I knew that and I wasn't even paying attention to Kim like that at the time when I was younger. And she put on her IG stories, God, please unleash your people from the shackles of not knowing the difference between starting a trend and being the first human being on the planet Earth to do something. Father God, it's me again. Please unleash your people from the shackles of not knowing the difference between jumping on a trend and featuring on a song. I don't know what she, what's she referencing there? I don't know what she's talking about there. But with the first part, I hear what she's saying a little bit, but it wasn't just her saying she set a trend with a pink hair. She said two or three times, I think twice maybe, you never saw any rapper wearing a pink wig before me. She didn't just say she started a trend. She said she was the first female rapper to wear a pink wig. So yes, technically you starting a trend is not saying that you're the first person to do it, but you did say you were the first female rapper to do it and you're not. So anyway, she also brought up how a lot of people within the community say Soldier Boy is a trendsetter and give him credit for a lot of the things that he's done. But when it's a black woman, it's a problem. She said, for some reason, black women won't point out that Billie Eilish didn't start the trend of colorful wigs. Nicki Minaj did. I was just like, this is so fucking ridiculous. Nicki, it's because we don't care. What, what? We don't give a fuck. That's why. And also most of it comes from Soldier Boy starting something pretty major, which is an online focus when it comes to music. You could argue that brought about a massive shift in the, in the music industry and that he attributed to that. That's a big part of why people kind of, honestly, most of the time people are kind of joking with Soldier Boy anyway, but that is... A major part of why when people are being serious, they're being serious about it, because he did kind of start something major in terms of how the music industry operates now. He, The man is ridiculous, but it's true. Crying That Soldier Boy was like the first song to have an online, a huge focus online. Like people weren't focusing on their, what their music was doing online. Anywho. Joe Budden replied saying, it's because she's made too much money, so it sounds arrogant when you say that shit. He went on to say that people call him a narcissist when he talks about what he did for music. And I was so confused by that. While, of course, some people online would say that, honestly, the main narrative I hear when it comes to Joe Budden's music is that he's an underrated rapper and he should have done much better in his run. But, you know, industry shit. That's the main takeaway that I hear from Joe Budden's music career. So... I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, are you just making shit up now? And then when Joe Budden raised the example of T.I. stepping into the world of comedy and not getting the same respect from comedians, it became clear what they were collectively trying to imply. Clearly, some of these rappers have a huge ego and just want to be respected everywhere they go. Unfortunately, that is not realistic. T.I. just started doing comedy. So no, he's not gonna gain the respect from other stand-up comedians that have been working hard for it just yet, because he just got here. He's gonna need to get the fuck over that, and so are you. Like, oh. Nikki went on to talk about how she'd experiment with certain styles to see if other women would follow, like the jet black hairstyle she was rocking for a bit, you know, the one with the bang. Actually, China influenced me with that personally. <laughs> um I mean, maybe one could argue that she influenced China in the first place, but eh, sorry, China's style has just happened to be better because that bang was on point. Either way, that's just my truth. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so when she rocked that style and when she'd rock the 40 inches, I believe it because I remember that Bar on the Plain Jane remix with A$AP3rd. Are oh, these bitches rocking inches because they follow in the leader? I should switch it up on holes and rock an Afro like a penis. So yeah, and Nicki always, you know, has at least three bars on three different verses with things that really bother her. And I'm pretty sure she's got a couple of references to, what was the one I'm thinking of? You see them copying my hair, tell them, chop it off. Yeah. Uh, Is that hard white? I'm pretty sure it's hard white. Anyway, so I believe that that really bothers her. She's saying as black women that we, she's saying we as black women need to acknowledge that because if we don't, then white women get the credit for it. Now everybody's wearing pink wigs, but nobody will say it's Nick- it's the Nikki wig because everyone's wearing it. I'm like, you're almost 40. Like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? I can't believe you spent half of a two-hour interview complaining about this. Like, oh my god, I'm sorry, it's just it's just beyond me. She said, she also mentioned that a male rapper said this to her. And I quote, exactly black women would rather give kim k their props than give them to you which one of you niggas said that come out we ain't gonna jump you i'm sorry i just need to know which one of you said that nikki you need to stop feeding into all the bullshit people are blowing in your ear because that was definitely a rapper that wanted to fuck wanted a collab or is just used to blowing smoke up your ass I don't personally believe that any male rapper close enough to have a conversation like that with Nicki Minaj is that out of touch with what black women are saying. And nigga, you know damn well that we do not give Kim K props for shit. I don't remember the community presenting her with any type of trend-setting certificate. The fuck are you talking about? The main narrative about Kim K has been that she stays ripping off black women and acting like she did that shit. The fuck are you talking about? Was that future again? Cause maybe he lied and he really does take drugs because it must be crack. It's crazy how Nikki will sit there and say this shit. But when black women pipe up about Kim K and how she's a culture vulture, women like her are one of the first ones to say, shut the fuck up. But oh, when it's you, you want us to be out here with signs, rioting and protesting or something. What What, like, what do you want from us? And look at you randomly throwing Kim K in it again. You really want us to write it, don't you? <laughs> like, you really don't fuck with her. I'm not mad at her. I don't really fuck with her either. But you added her like three times in this interview. The first time you called her Kanye's wife. I caught that. So like I said, some Kim's catching a lot of shade in this interview. Uh, anyway, she basically ended that whole portion of the conversation by saying... She should have been on the cover of Vogue and so should Lil Kim. So basically after at least two or three moments where she threw some subtle shade that she knew we'd catch, she she decided to blatantly say, oh, she's a trendsetter and she should have had this too. So it looks like she's showing her love. <laughs> okay. And then she said, if this is what your magazine represents influence, then how could we not? She did make a good point by saying Anna Wintour is an old white lady. So she doesn't expect her to know everything that's going on in the hip hop industry and how it's affecting other industries. It's the people who work for her whose responsibility it is that are at fault. That's fair enough. Now, I just had to get all of that out of the way quickly because I'm like, I cannot believe a grown ass woman is upset about this. I'm sorry. I really try not to be judgmental of what other people are upset about. Because at the end of the day, if you're upset about something and you feel some type of way about something, that's all that matters. But I'm just like, oh, anyway, let me go into my thoughts on this. This is what I have to say. I'm going to need... Some of the black celebrities to please stop packaging a personal issue in the form of something that should be the concern of the entire black community. And then when we uncover everything you're saying, it's really something that's a personal concern to you. I call it the Kanye special. Kanye, Nene Leaks, Nikki, they're notorious for doing this. I don't even necessarily disagree with her. Of course, Nikki's a trendsetter. She's an icon. Icon set trends. And absolutely, a lot of these icons or trendsetters are black because we lit and influential as fuck. So no, she didn't lie. I do agree with that. But I'm just saying I don't care. Clearly, not enough black women personally care about who started which trend, at least not for more than five minutes. I genuinely feel like Nikki's a little bit confused because her barbs are children, but her fans are grown. So I feel like she's genuinely baffled as to why this conversation is enough to set the barbs to Twitter, but nothing actually changes after the conversation's done. I said a couple of episodes ago, there's a distinction between barbs and Nikki fans, and she needs to start engaging with Nikki fans more if she really wants to understand what's going on. I am 28 years old, 30 is around the corner. You think I have time to be arguing with white women in these Twitter streets about who started the trend of pink hair? I don't give a fuck like genuinely I care more about why this is so fucking important to Nikki Nikki why do you need random women arguing on your behalf about the fact that you started rocking 40 inch wigs first why after everything you've achieved as Nikki Minaj are you still begging Anna Wintour to be on cover of Vogue This is exactly why a lot of black women who are your fans won't waste precious energy on that topic because they know the likes of Anna Wintour and Karl Lagerfeld, may he rest in peace, I guess, don't fuck with us. So why am I going to be arguing about it just so you can get a Vogue cover? As a black woman, you should understand that this shit we call life is challenging for us. It is essential to choose your battles wisely. And I'm sorry, ma'am but you and your pink wig is not something I intend to fight for. That is just not the hill I will die on. What I will say, Nikki, is that if this is something that is genuinely important to you, and it sounds like it is, you need to find a way of making these brands acknowledge your influence instead of relying on other people to do it for you. From now on, any magazine cover you do, tell them that the pink wig is non-negotiable because you're Nikki fucking Minaj and that's your signature look, or the deals off the table. And trust me, they'll agree to it because they reached out to you at the end of the day. Anyway, I'm sure she's past those days now anyway. I'm just addressing what she meant, what she prefaced the conversation by saying. But I'm sure she's past that stage now. But with this Anna Wintour thing, I'm sorry, but fuck her. She should have been begging you to go on the cover of Vogue a long time ago. Like I said, she didn't lie. So if she hasn't by now, then she hasn't acknowledged who the fuck you are. And if I were you, at this point, anybody who hasn't acknowledged who you are, they can kick rocks as far as I'm concerned. I understand that certain things that you dream about are really hard to let go of. And since Nikki really loves fashion, I'm guessing she's been dreaming about being on the cover of Vogue when she's famous. So I'm sure it can feel disappointing that this hasn't happened yet because it was kind of like one of her goals that she was aspiring to, I'm, I'm guessing. But in this life, we really need to just start accepting that some things just might not be for us. At the end of the day, what is a Vogue cover? You are still Nikki fucking Minaj without it. I just wish you'd realize that. Cause I don't think you do. <sighs> anyway, moving on from there. Really, I've only got one or two things to add, but I like that Joe mentioned the Queen radio incident. He said he's glad that they got to link up again. The moment was crazy. You know, the one that was where she was screaming at him. You guys remember, right? But he did acknowledge that she was going through a lot at the time. So he's now going to be more empathetic to what an artist's journey is and what they're going through. Hmm. Do I believe it? I don't know. I don't believe anything that man says to tell you the truth. I like how they ended it with speaking about Papa Bear, though, because it was really nice. Like, I like that they didn't really end it as Nicki Minaj and Joe Budden. They kind of ended it as two individuals who are parents, because Joe was talking about his experience with his son with Sin Santana. And the terrible twos, which he actually said turned out to be the terrible threes. He was moving all cocky when he was two years old. Like, my kid is fine. And then three, just hit him. <laughs> and Nikki was saying, Papa Bear's only one year old, but he's very naughty and he thinks he runs shit. Like, it was a really cute moment. She was telling a story about how he tried this tactic with the timeout chair. And yeah, that flopped. I'm like, yeah, I can imagine he's, you're lucky he did throw that chair at you. Like, what? You think you thought, oh, you thought, no. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then she ended it by saying, Papa Bear was the best thing that ever happened to her. I was like, oh, that's cute that touched my heart. That was very sweet. So I liked the way it ended. I've <sighs> really tried to make it quick because I didn't want to spend this long talking about it, but I had a lot to say. I thought Nikki looked really pretty. I want a chain. I'm getting one. I don't care. But <laughs> I kept looking at the Barbie chain, like, I want one. Not like, just like the Barbie chain, but like, I think as I pay attention to a lot of female rappers, I'm like, I just want a chain randomly for no apparent reason. But I want one. I'm getting one. Um. But yeah... What I will say is if you decipher the interview, as I obviously have, Nikki isn't really saying anything real. That's why I appreciate the part she shared about getting our shots. I feel like it was a rare snippet of the real Onika, whoever she is, because that's my main issue with Nikki. I don't really know who she is. I feel like we are literally always getting the Nikki Minaj character that she's playing, partly because her barbs love it but I also think it's partly because I don't know, she even knows who she is outside of that. I don't know the lady, I don't know. But it's just weird that even in your music, really, I don't really know you, you know? Past the bravado shit and the subs, and you know, how dope of a lyricist you are. I don't really know you, Onika. I feel like it was great to see what might be coming next from her, because there was a lot of promo for her upcoming endeavors as there should have been. But can I truly say I know Nicki Minaj better? Not really. And that's kind of the point of an interview, to know who you are beyond what we see in the entertainment business. But it did what needed to be done, I guess. It was also essentially a way of getting people to refocus on Nicki Minaj the rapper and not Nicki Minaj the rapper who we loved before she married a rapist. It kind of worked even though I can see clearly that was the intention. Even I'm barely thinking about that nigga now, despite the fact that they did talk about him at the end briefly, I wouldn't have, boy, I would have turned into the Virgin Mary real quick. Like what, Papa Bear just came out of me. No contribution by any man. What do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? And that's the final thumbs down for me. No addressing the elephant in the room named Kenneth Petty. But am I surprised? Absolutely not. I didn't think they would, but hey, I know, I know I would have, <laughs> there's no way. Like, where, say I'm exactly where I want to be because I'm aiming for big things. I'm telling you guys, you're going to see me out here in these streets. That's what I'm going to say for now. But when I get to the level I want to get to, and I'm actually interviewing big people, if I did come across the opportunity to interview Nicki Minaj, I'm sorry, there's no way we're not discussing that. <laughs> I'd rather not, because I like no matter how big you are, I'm, I'm learning more and more about myself. And I don't really want to, especially for an interview, I don't want to have a conversation and not find out the answers to the questions I want to know. There's just no point in it. But yeah, those are my main takeaways from Joe Bunn's interview with Nicki Minaj. So on to entertainment. I got hot sauce in my work. Okay, so it's time for the entertainment segment. First up, Lizzo's new reality show that I mentioned earlier. (laughs) So it is called Watch Out for the Big Girls. It's a new reality show on Amazon Prime. It just came out on Friday. It's a competition with a very similar layout to America's Next Top Model. However, in this show, the girls are all competing to become one of Lizzo's backup dancers and join her on her tour, who she calls her big girls. So the show starts off with 13 girls, but only 10 make it to the big girl mansion because for the rest of the show, the girls are all staying in a house together, just like America's Next Top Model. There's a challenge every week, just like America's Next Top Model. At the end of every challenge, Lizzo gives out a Juice Award and a 100% That Bitch Award to two different girls. So I like that little bit of creativity. And, and the Juice Award looks really cute. I was like, oh, I'd love to take that home as a souvenir. But, you know, I'm not there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the girls are Jayla, Isabel, Sydney, Asia, Kiara, Ashley, Moesha, Mo to that, eat to that sorry, I had to do it. I've never actually heard of another Moesha outside of melt to the, eat to the. Anyway, so I just had to do it. Jasmine, Ariana and Charity. So a lot of these girls have been dancing since they were young. So they say. So it does kind of confuse me that some of them, if I'm being completely honest, most of them, just aren't that good I'm sorry and I don't even like that being my critique and I will just say I haven't finished it yet I'm on like episode four and I think there's eight episodes I'm pretty sure it's eight episodes so I'm not even halfway through it because I haven't even finished episode four so I will say that because I have noticed a few of the girls have been getting better they have been improving since the first episode so there is that perhaps by the eighth episode they'll all wow me I'm not sure if that's what they're going for and don't get me wrong It's not just their word, like there are visuals of them when they were younger, most of them um, dancing. So it just confuses me really what's going on. Like, I don't know if some of them stopped dancing for a certain amount of time and then just recently started again. Perhaps some of them when they knew the show was coming up, because I remember Jasmine mentioned that she stopped dancing for a bit when she had her kids. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Okay, so that would make sense why you're a little bit, you know, you're not, the precision is just not there is what I would say for a few of them. And a few of them don't have the stamina, which makes me wonder how they're going to dance on the main stage. But hey, I guess that's for Lizzo to decide. But the standout for me is Sydney, who isn't really that big. A couple of the girls, when you look at them, it's like, oh, plus size. This is plus size. Really? Okay. (laughs) like Sydney has a belly, but if you look at her physique from afar, she seems pretty slim, curvy and toned, but not big per se, in my opinion. She basically looks like she just had a year where she ate real well. You know, like she went on holiday. She had a few holidays that year. Then it was Christmas, new year period. And now she's back in the gym. Like that's what it's given to me. But I promise that's not why she's my favorite though. It's simply that she's the only one with precision that I can see. She's the only one that is that, ah, ah, that's giving, like, you know, I'm only on episode four, as I said, but She's the only one I look at and she looks like a professional dancer. I feel like a lot of the girls are just on here because they are big, not because they're great at dancing. And that's a shame because I feel like with the premise of the show showing, hey, big girls can do it too. I feel like you, why why did not you guys get bigger, big girls that have that precision and, you know, could compete with the likes of the dancers that you see with a slimmer physique, you know? But yeah, Lizzo handpicked Sydney and she said she's actually been following her on TikTok. So I feel like that was a reason, a a big part of the reason why she was there, because she actually had her in the back of her mind when she was selecting people candidates for the show. But even Crystal, who was one of the 13 at the beginning of the show, and Lizzo said she was going to send her straight on tour at the end of the first episode. So they had like a dance battle and that was the challenge for the first episode. And at the end of it, she gave her a fast track pass to rehearsals for the actual tour. I personally think Sydney's better than her. Crystal's good. She gives a lot of oomph when she dances and she shows her personality. That's one thing I rate about a lot of them is that I think they feel that they're lacking. So they work extra hard to show passion and personality while they're dancing. So they still connect with you in some way. And Crystal was probably the best at that. I will say that. So I do get why Lizzo liked her because Lizzo's kind of Bubbling and full of personality, you know? But when it comes to that precision, I didn't personally see it. Sydney fucked up on that challenge. She did forget the steps. But I feel like if that hadn't happened, that might have been her because she's by far the best for me. I also really relate to Sydney because she's a super perfectionist like me. What's crazy is I feel like I've only recently realized that I'm a perfectionist within the last couple of years. And that's why I battled with anxiety and depression for so long, because I didn't actually realise that I was going through this cycle of striving to be a perfect version of myself and constantly getting disappointed at never meeting that mark because that mark doesn't exist. That's a story for another day, child. But It seems like Sydney has always been an overachiever in school. She was student body president, varsity cheerleader, valedictorian. She won everything she ever auditioned for. That's when I was like, yeah, I can't really relate. I was all over the place at school because I wasn't the most academic. So I always felt like a failure, except for my English classes. In all my schools, I was always the best in my English class because writing has always been my escape. But hey, it's not about me. It's about Sydney. I was supposed to be talking about Sydney. I'm talking bare about myself. Apologies. But yeah. So when she was trying to learn the choreography, she was in her head a lot because she's used to more of a pom-pom majorette type of dance and not choreo as hard hitting and precise as this, which was just proof to me that she's just like me in the way that she agonizes so much in her head about getting it perfect. When more often than not, she's fucking dope. Because like I said, if I do say so myself, because like I said, She's the one who got the precision down pat out of all the girls for me. I really feel like that's what made her forget her steps in the dance battle at the end, which is such a shame. At least she carried on. But the problem is in that kind of setup, when you're dancing with other girls who all remember their steps, your mistake is kind of obvious because she fully forgot and was just like kind of freestyling. So like Lizzo said, when they were judging the girls at the end of that challenge, that's the gift and a curse of being a perfectionist. You're great, but that determination to be perfect can be your inner saboteur. I was like, oof. Preach Lizzo. Honestly, half the battle is figuring that out. And then it all kind of becomes like, I'm still in that journey myself, trust me. But I find that recognizing that more and working around that and not listening to the overthinker, the saboteur that, you know, Lizzo very well pointed out. You it 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 just it starts to flow a lot easier and it actually start and you, what you're doing starts to feel good. You start to enjoy what you're doing and not just be in your head and get anxious about shit that you want to be doing, you know. But I would say the best after Sydney personally is Jasmine and Isabel. I actually have a lot more to say about them and the show, and I'm not even halfway through because oh my god, Jasmine be getting on everybody's nerves at the moment. <laughs> but I'm working on brevity for the podcast. One of the things that I'm working on. So that's it for now. I might do a review on the whole show at some point next week, maybe, because I will be off work next week. Thank the fucking Lord. But I haven't had a holiday in so long. So I really can't promise anything. And obviously it depends on the other half of the show and what it's given. Because my plate is already full and I have a habit of piling my plate high because I really do enjoy doing this shit. But it is a lot of work. So maybe. Tell you what, if you guys want me to do it, you let me know. If you guys let me know that you want it, I'll do it. One thing I'll end by saying is that it's really nice to finally be able to talk about Lizzo for something related to her music and her career as a singer, which is what we love her for. I absolutely love that she's so unafraid of bearing all as a plus size woman. But I do feel like in the last couple of years, she did overdo it. And it was kind of like, sis, you're a singer. Like, where's the music? There was a part in the show where she was talking about what a struggle her journey has been at times. and. Like there was Yeah, where she said it's hard to love yourself in a world that won't love you back. Oh my God, I almost shed a tear at that part right there because I would not dispute the fact that Lizzo gets a lot of fat phobic and racist comments and it's disgusting. But I hope that she doesn't group that with the people who are saying, we don't want you to, uh, we don't want to start only hearing about you for your twerking and showing us on the gram and at a basketball game, you know, because you are not an artist who needs to do that. Lizzo's music is so good. And it's so uplifting to black women, period, in my opinion. I know she probably always has plus size women in the forefront of her mind. But when I listen to songs like Soulmate, Like a Girl, Juice, boy, I, I just feel like I can do any fucking thing, you know. So balance is balance. That's all I'm saying. That's why I'm so delighted to be discussing the show as well as her upcoming album earlier. I, like, I really can't wait for it. So I'm, I'm happy to be talking about this, honestly. I got hot sauce in my So, on to the next one. Anyway. Selling Sunset! Oh my God, I'm so excited, because I didn't even know it was coming back this early. But I guess it has been about a year. But yeah, I'm so excited. Selling Sunset is coming back, y'all, next month. 22nd of April. And the reason I was even privy to this information is something that made me even happier than it coming back. Obviously I'm happy about both, but you know, I'm super excited for its return because we got a black woman on the show. I, I just feel like a bl- black women always just make everything better. I'm sorry. Like I just we just do. We just do. So I was already liking Selling Sunset. Even last season where they didn't really do much about bitch about Christine, I still kind of enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? Like I like the show. I love trash reality shows and You're looking at someone who thoroughly enjoyed The Hills. I love white girl drama about nothing. That's my shit as well. Like, I don't care. I love it. But, oh my God, yes. Throw a black woman in the mix. absolutely. fucking So I'm just going to read a portion of this article from People. The young lady is also British. How about that? Fucking hell, double whammy. Black British woman, I'm so happy. Anyway, her name is Chelsea Laskani. Chelsea was accomplished in her field prior to joining the Oppenheim Group. After exiting the corporate world in 2017, she obtained her real estate license and joined Los Angeles Agents and joined Los Angeles Agency Rodeo Realty, the former employer of million dollar listing Los Angeles star Josh Flagg, whoever that is. After venturing out on her own and taking time to raise her two children with her husband, Jeff Lascarney, she realized that she was ready to return to the real estate game. I wonder if... Sounds like a white man, Jeff. Anyway, not that that's the issue. I'm just trying to f- figure out who her husband might be. Anywho, Chelsea, a graduate of the University of Birmingham and the University of Dundee in Scotland, is now taking her talents to the West Hollywood-based Realty Group. Let's, let's get to the motherfucking back. I think having the support of my husband and my family really essentially prepared me to take on this big role and this big opportunity. Chelsea tells people exclusively, but for me personally, I saw this as an opportunity to really open doors in an industry that has lacked diversity and where minorities are underrated. Yes. They even said that on Selling Tampa, which is a whole cast of women of color. So absolutely. I feel like with great opportunities comes great responsibility. She continues. This was kind of my time to give back and to educate and really mentor and push forward black women in this luxury sector in real estate. But so does that mean there's gonna be another black woman at some point because who's the other black? anyway so just knowing that I've got a greater purpose kind of prepared me for this I wonder who she's going to be mentoring because it sounds like maybe they're planning to bring it out we'll see Chelsea was previously acquainted with her new boss Jason through her husband which further helped her to ease into the swing of things she was always very familiar with Oppenheim group prior to joining but she hadn't met any of her other co-stars on Selling Sunset all of whom she says have really inspired her It kind of helps me see my future trajectory by being around so many successful women, she explains. It helps materialise the fact that I can be selling 20 million, 30 million, 40 million dollar homes. Seeing other women in close proximity to me doing it. (sighs) Yes. Even the way she ended it, I'm like, yes. Really and truly, it's hard to like visualise yourself as a black woman doing certain things until you see other women doing it. So... Totally feel you, babes. Oh my God, I'm so excited. So like I said, Selling Sunset will be back on the 22nd of April. I'm very happy about this. And just a fair warning, ladies, Chriselle, Christine, Mary, whoever the fuck, I don't want to hear no microaggressions. You bitches will get this smoke. I'm just warning you. Anyway, that's pretty much all I have to elaborate on. I'm going to make entertainment pretty short and snappy this week, but... I do also want to un- just mention that new show on Netflix coming through on the 6th of April, April called The Ultimatum. I did mention it on My Love Is Blind special with the girls. Really looking forward to that. It's basically a show where people are going on with their, with their other halves who one of them wants to get married and the other one clearly doesn't. And it's basically like, are we going to end up getting married or are we just going to pick somebody else on the show? Fucking violence. Can you imagine? Somebody really chose violence on Netflix. Cannot wait for that shit. And I'll be on holiday that week. So yeah, mm, Excited. The Flight Attendant Season 2 will be coming back on the 21st of April. I love The Flight Attendant for any of the Big Bang Theory fans. It is Kaley Cuoco's show. Um, She is the main character in it. She also produced the series. Really, really great. So enjoyable. I loved Season 1. I think it was meant to be a mini-series. So that's why it's that's how good it was that it's coming back for a season two because it was meant to be like a one-time thing and i think it was so dope and it ended on a cliffhanger i'm like i know that there's a book because it is based off a book but no bring it back <laughs> and i'm so fucking happy so april is going to be a great month for entertainment all around music and film and tv well tv so oh, I'm just I, I wish i took the whole month off you know i might take more holidays <laughs> anywho No, I'm joking. I've already got some scheduled around the bank holiday period. You know, when you do one on either side to make it a nice long. Yeah. So I've got enough holiday booked to April. Got some in May. Got some. in. I'm I'm really looking forward to the next three months. Honestly, June is my birthday month too. Also going strawberries and cream. Gonna see Lil Wayne. Gonna see Lisa Mafia. Oh my God. I I just can't can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to see more people as well. Who else is going to be strawberries and cream? I don't know why I keep forgetting everybody else. Anyway, I've got so much to think about. But yeah, I think that's really it for entertainment. Love and Marriage Huntsville started as well. I did see the first episode. I haven't watched the latest episode yet. I think it's only on today, actually. So it might not even be out yet yet. But more time on that layer. You guys see, you guys see what I'm working with here. It's a lot to think about. So we're going to have to save Love and Marriage Huntsville for later on in the season. I will be doing something for that Later on in the season. When I say later on in the season, I am in the season of Love and Marriage Huntsville, not my podcast, The Underrated Podcast, because I will actually be wrapping up this season soon. I do have some special episodes planned. I've got a couple special episodes coming up. And then after that, a bitch needs to rest. I'm also moving next month too. So I've just got a lot to be focusing on, but I will be doing something for Love and Marriage Huntsville. I just want to I want to see what this season, because it looks like a lot's going to go down this season. So I need to really put my energy and time into doing this thing properly, innit? But yeah, that's the entertainment segment for this week. I got hot sauce
2: in my bag.
0: I know that it's been a pretty packed episode today, so we're going to make it a brief hot topic segment this week. Just a couple things to discuss. The main event being Will Smith... And Chris Rock at the Oscars. Ooh, now, usually I wouldn't be so hasty to discuss drama involving two men, but said drama is about a woman, technically. So here I am, don't you love an angle? So I'm sure you've all heard by now, it's all anybody could talk about all day. Obviously it occurred last night, but for us in the UK, we kind of woke up to the news and um, even the people in America, it was just the hot topic of the day. So if you haven't heard, Will Smith gave Chris Rock a dirty slap on stage at the Oscars last night. It was a reaction to a joke that Chris Rock made about Jada Pinkett on stage, which I believe was in poor taste. I know you won't be able to see the slap in effect as this episode is just audio, but you can still hear it as well as Will and Chris's exchange after the fact, which is what convinced me that this was not a skit because at first I wasn't too sure. But no, pretty sure this was serious. So here goes. Jada, I love you G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it alright
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's a that was a nice one, okay I'm out here, uh oh Richard
3: <laughs> oh wow wow
4: Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me Dick- your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a GI Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. Okay. Okay. So we are here. To uh, give a documentary out, to give an Oscar out for best documentary. Now, the beauty of documentaries, because they, they make you, when you watch one, you feel smart. Like you watched them, like, you know, like you
0: read a book or something. But all you really did was get high and watch Netflix. So here we go. Here we go. So most clips cut off right after Will. You know, after the, keep my wife's name, ouch. Will has bass in his voice. We forget sometimes because, you know, he's always so happy-go-lucky. He's always like, you know kind of the Fresh Prince in full effect all the time, even as a grown man. Like, he's always kind of joking around most of the time. Obviously, you see him play serious roles, but his persona in real life is so jovial that this was such a shock to me. I was like, oh my God, Will is not playing any fucking games. And that's what made me realise, now nah, this ain't no skit. I know he's a very good actor, so if they were, you know, planning a skit between the three of them, as in Chris Rock, Jada Pinkett and Will then, you know, Will could play the role. We know that. But I don't think Chris Rock would agree to that. Why would I agree to be slapped on stage? Do you know what I mean? Like the Oscars, like, and Chris's face, like, nah. I, I, I believe that this was real. I saw Mario saying that this is all, this is all reenacted or whatever. This is all fake and it's all, to, I'm not just like, I don't think so. But anyway. I played the end of it so you could hear how rattled Chris was. And that was also part of what made me realize, yeah, this is this was no skit here. So my thoughts. I'm conflicted on this one because as shocking as it was, I understand why we'll reacted like that. Maybe Chris Rock meant it as a harmless joke, maybe not, but as a black man, especially a black man who created that good hair documentary that most of us know, you should know better than to make fun of a black woman's hair, especially in front of a crowd of her peers and expect the reaction to be peaceful. Maybe not violence, But yeah, like it's it's not going to be peace. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand what we like. I just felt like by now in 2022, we were a little bit more educated with matters like this. But hey, I guess not. I feel like the joke was in poor taste personally. I know that Jada has been open about the fact that she has alopecia, but I didn't actually know that until today. So it is likely that Chris Rock might not have known. If you look at the Red Table Talk, that episode is from May, 2018. So a good while ago, about four years ago, almost four years exactly. So I understand that she might feel like, come on, like I've been open about it kind of thing. But it seems that only people that watch Red Table Talk regularly would have been aware because a lot of people only realize that today. Either way though, regardless whether he knew that she had alopecia or not, the joke was in poor taste, in my opinion. In my opinion. That being said, as much as I understand Will's reaction, it was definitely team too much. I always like to be clear about the fact that I don't think anything gives you the right to physically put your hands on people, but self-defense. Cause I feel like if we're always moving the goalposts to say, it's okay for me to fuck you up here. It's okay for me to fuck you up if you do this. It's okay for me to fuck you up if you say this. Like, it's like, to what end? Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like we have to be clear on what should be done as, as a, when it comes to physical violence. That being said, if you've ever heard my takes about Real Housewives, I also like to be realistic and remember that we are all human beings. So I try to remember to look at it from that angle as opposed to what we should do. Because the reality is, we don't always do what we should do or react how we should react. And that goes for all of us, every single one of us. A lot of human beings like to conveniently forget when it's someone that they don't like or they don't insert themselves in the situation, like if it were me. And I always like to do that. And you don't get to decide how somebody else reacts to something that you've said or done if that person feels you've crossed a line. Should we have slapped him? No. We're adults. And there's always better ways to handle it. But I do understand. Everyone has their breaking point. And everyone is human. That's all I'm saying. However, if we're discussing Will's motivation for slapping Chris, I'm a bit confused. Was he really defending his wife's honour? Because when the camera was on him, he definitely laughed at first. And I know people said it's natural to do a little awkward laugh first when you feel uncomfortable. That is true. I do that as much as well as a lot of other people. But it didn't look or sound like an awkward laugh to me. Like I said before, Will is a good actor. So who knows? Perhaps he's just very good at acting like he's not awkward in this situation. And then after the violation kind of sunk in, that's what led him to slap, slap, slap you know? Well, just one slap, let me not overdo it. <laughs> but yeah, there is a chance that perhaps he really genuinely felt awkward and he's just good at faking it. But to me, it sounded like a genuine hearty laugh. It didn't sound awkward. So I wonder if he looked at Jada and realized she wasn't impressed because Jada was, she didn't look happy at all. And she was rolling her eyes and he thought, I need to do something about this. Like, I can't just sit here like a bitch while he likes sh- to take shots at my wife, you know? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the Twitter streets are saying that Jada whispered in Wool's ear, Tupac would never. <laughs> Sorry. Because that's exactly only one I was thinking Even before I went on Twitter. He was like, Tupac would have shot him. Like, just anyways, not funny. But I do kind of feel like he had that moment that he didn't think it was that deep. He looked at his wife. His wife is upset. Shit. I can't just sit here and take this like a bitch. Everyone already thinks I'm a bitch because of the whole entanglement gate. That's generally what I feel like. Cause I was actually speaking to my cousin about it this morning and cause I, my cousin was staying with me and we actually woke up to this news and we were talking about it. And she was saying that she felt like it was an intentional moment to change the narrative on him where it comes to the black community and black Twitter, because let's face it, he has been the bot of a lot of jokes on black Twitter ever since Entanglement Gate, like I said. So when I look at how it played out, I do feel like that was part of his motivation I can't lie. That doesn't necessarily mean anything like that. Doesn't change my opinion on what I've said previously, but I do wonder if it really was about defending Jada or was it kind of an intentional tactic to get black Twitter on your side a little bit because you have kind of been made a mockery out of the last couple years and you just kind of had enough. And that was the breaking point because it could be both. It could be like, It was intentional, a little part of it, but it could also have been like, he'd kind of had enough, like both things could be true at the same time. He could have had enough at that moment. And in his mind was like, this will do it kind of thing. That's my theory anyway. Could be wrong, but that's, I've been thinking about it all day and that's my takeaway from it. Now his acceptance speech, because he did win an Oscar not long after that for King Richard, absolutely well-deserved by the way. Can you guys believe that's his first Oscar by the way? What bullshit, I did not know. I didn't even realize that. How has he never won an Oscar before? completely ridiculous but anyway completely well deserved i was i saw king richard loved it he played the fuck out of that role so absolutely well done sir well done very well deserved so i'm just going to play the acceptance speech for you because when you listen to the speech and you see him crying again good actor but i really think this is a genuine moment because i really felt like he was will was really tired at this point and genuinely just over it and the emotion was just pouring out of him and that to me was it it, it spoke to me it said a lot of things to me and i'm going to play that for you again and we'll we'll discuss
4: now, I know to do what we do, you got to be able to take abuse. You got to be able to have people talk crazy about you. In this business, you got to be able to have people disrespecting you. And you got to smile and you got to pretend like that's okay. I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to my, all my fellow nominees. Um, this is a beautiful moment and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crying for winning an award. It's not, it's not about winning an award for me. It's about being able to shine light on all of the people. Tim, and, and Trevor and Zach and Sanaya and Demi and Ingenue and the entire cast and crew of King Richard and Venus and Serena, the, the entire Williams family. Um, art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said. <laughs> I look like crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. Um, but love will make you do crazy things. Being able to love and care for my mother, and my family, my wife. Um, I'm taking up too much time. Uh, thank you for this honor. Thank you for this moment. And thank you on behalf of Richard and and Oracine, the entire Williams family. Um, Thank you. uh, uh, Hoking Academy invites me back. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you guys notice that he did not apologize to Chris Rock? He apologized to the Academy and the nominees, not to Chris. I'm not even mad at that part, I can't lie. Don't apologize if you're not sorry. (laughs) I'm not even mad at it. I just thought it was interesting. Basically, sorry, not sorry, is what Will said. He is sorry. For doing it publicly I think He's not sorry for slapping that man So that tells me That perhaps there's something A little bit deeper here I have trouble believing That it was over that one moment Despite even that moment isolated I still understand getting upset I feel like there's a little bit of history Between him and Chris Rock And Jada particularly Somewhere that we are not aware of We're not privy to everything that's going on Is what I feel So it was just interesting to see some people weigh in. Jaden Smith, his son, tweeted, not long afterwards, and that's how we do it. My dad's speech made me cry. Again, making me feel, hmm, perhaps it was more than just that one moment that I think Chris has fucked with the Smiths in some way. That's what I think. Janet Hubert said, so proud of you, to Will. Yes, there's only so much one can take. Sometimes you have to slap back. (laughs) Celebrate the win. Nothing else matters. Both actions were incorrect, but Chris didn't need to go there. Met him once. It was, met him once. It was enough for me. Very mean spirited. Ooh. Hashtag King Richard for the win. You see where I'm going with this? Again, Janet Huber, obviously her and Will have had their history. They've had their issues, but as if you've seen the Fresh Prince reunion, we know they've made up now. So it's just interesting to me that, certain people close to Will. And if you saw Jade, Jada, she was beaming during a speech, his acceptance speech. There's just something that gives me the feeling this isn't about just what we've witnessed at the Oscars. Lil' Kim also commented under, you know, the blog post and everything. Oh no, I don't think she even commented. I think she reposted it. Big facts, stay focused. As in, uh, I think she actually reposted Will's speech and she said, big facts, stay focused. The devil is busy right now. They can't stand the taste of their own men's medicine. Karma is a bitch, for real, and she ain't playing with y'all. Hashtag new levels is new devils. Hashtag stay focused. Trina said, Trina the baddest bitch, one of my favorite rappers, if you guys don't know. The internet has given people a platform to think it's okay to harass and bully people. There's a breaking point for everyone. That's what I said. So be mindful of that always. I agree. You just never know when pushed and provoked, when you're going to snap and shit. What? Just never know when... Pushed, babe, love you, but what's this? Just never know when pushed and provoked when you're going to snap and shit take a turn for the worst. Basically, you never know when you're just going to snap on a bitch, essentially is what she's saying. Nicki Minaj, it's funny, I didn't even mean to just tap into what the female rappers are saying, it's just their takeaways were the most interesting to me. And I actually really like, I, I mostly agreed with what Nicki was saying and I don't actually agree with her very often. So, you know, let's make a moment out of this. I love Chris Rock. I don't think he would have made that joke had he known what Jada recently shared, but between him and the whole team at the Oscars, you mean to tell me that not one of you heard this woman just share this heartbreaking story? It wasn't just though, it was a few years ago. Here's the thing, and this is such an amazing eye-opening example of it. The husband gets a front row seat to his wife's pain. He's the one consoling her, drying her tears behind closed doors when the cameras go off. Social media has made people feel that these husbands weren't ever running to them in real life. Fair very fair. You just got to witness in real time what happens in a man's soul when he looks over to the woman he loves and sees her holding back tears from a little joke at her expense. This is what any and every real man feels in that instant. While you're seeing the joke, he's seeing her pain. Imagine what it must feel like to be losing your hair to the point where you have to shave it bald. You think that's easy for anyone to deal with? You don't think she's cried about that many times? 22, you're going to have to see these men about those jokes you made about their wives. I like what Nikki said. And I, and I agree. I, I actually wholeheartedly agree. This is exactly what my main takeaway has been on the situation as well. Now, moving over onto the other side. And when I say the other side, I mean to whites. Because, you know, they always want to pull up like somebody invited them to this family meeting. Judd Apato, Can you imagine? Like, why is Judd Apato weighing in? I'm just going to say what him and Kathy Griffin said, because fuck all the others, honestly, I don't care about their opinion, but it's just, I I just wanted to highlight a couple examples of people doing the most about a situation, and this is exactly why I try and give people grace to be human, because humans be doing human things, you know? We react. Sometimes we react wrongly. I can't stand when motherfuckers do the most and try and act like they are like so much holier than thou and they always act correctly. You should see the way some of these people move behind closed doors just because we're not seeing it. They want to get up on stage or on Twitter and act like, oh my God, how dare you? This moment was disgusting and violent. Like, fuck you. Like, I hate all of that. But anyway, this is what Judd Apatow said. Seems like Will Smith's plan to get comedians and the world to not make jokes about him is not going to pan out. The Williams family must be furious, pure narcissism. Also, G.I. Jane was gorgeous. What exactly is insulting about being compared to a ripped, stunning Demi? Hashtag Oscars, so not the fucking point. He could have killed him. Can you imagine? I'm going to say that again. Judd Apatow tweeted, he could have killed him. All this over a slap. Are you mad? Let's everybody calm down, shall we? I'm going to say it again. He could have killed him. Judd Apatow's words, not mine. What a fool! that's pure out of con- that's pure out of control rage and violence they've heard a million jokes about them in the last three decades they are not freshmen in the world of hollywood and comedy he has lost his mind wow you've lost your mind <laughs> that's what i think you've lost your fucking mind do you know that judd Apatow about a damn thing anyway kathy griffin said let me tell you something it's a very bad practice to walk up on stage and physically assault a comedian now we all have to worry about who wants to be the next Will Smith in comedy clubs and theaters. I can't lie. They need to stop doing that because I honestly don't think it was about Because I saw like in my group chat, I saw a couple people saying if it was a white man, Will wouldn't punch him like that. Da, da, da. I feel like all of that's unnecessary because honestly, even if it was another black man, I don't think Will would have reacted like that. There is something about that moment that makes me feel like it was about Chris Rock. I genuinely don't feel like, yeah, don't get me wrong, any other comedian, black or otherwise, would have got this smoke if Will had something to say about it. I feel like he would have just pulled them up in private. But for him to react like that, walk up on stage and slap the shit out of that man, I'm sorry, I feel like there's something else there. So comedians, you need to calm the fuck down because I don't even think it's about that because you know they were going to start doing the most and be like, oh, censorship, what can we say? Da, da, da. I don't even think it's that moment. I can't lie. And Diddy, oh, that man, always got a pipe up or love, shall we call him, because that's how he likes to be called now, isn't it? He always has to pipe up about something. He insisted that Chris Rock and Will Smith squash shit at his after party. They're brothers, they're fine. I knew he was capping when he said that. That man has been talking nonstop about that. I mean, we all have, but the way he's been weighing in, like he was actually involved, is mad weird. Like he had, he had like three different stories going around. People were asking him his input and then he put out the statement saying they squash it, they're brothers. I'm like is this because you announced four, four new Ciroc flavors the other day? Well, bye then. Chill. Shut the fuck up. What, what's, what's all of this about? Calm down. Why are you involving yourself? Go pay your artist. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, so that turned out to be Cap. I knew that because Chris, there's no way I saw that. And I was like, there is no way those men squashed that on the same night. I'm sorry. The way he slapped Chris, Chris was not forgiving him the same night. I don't buy it. And Will wasn't apologizing that same night. I, I just don't buy it. And now we know that that is indeed cap because TMZ put out an article, definitely straight from Chris's people. Chris wanted us to know, ain't no forgiveness over here. So this is an article from TMZ. The headline reads, Chris Rock hasn't spoken to Will Smith, didn't know Jada has alopecia. I thought that that might be the case, but it doesn't really make any difference in terms of whether the joke was inappropriate or not, in my opinion. Will Smith and Chris Rock have not buried the hatchet despite reports to the contrary, dot, dot, dot. That's to you, Diddy. Stop fucking lying. Uh, in fact, they haven't spoken since the slap. A source with direct knowledge tells us Chris and Will haven't settled anything despite a claim from Diddy saying everything was cool. In fact, we're told the whole thing's done, Chris, who went straight to his dressing room after the slap and there has been no communication since between the two men. We spoke to a close friend of Chris who was at the Oscars, who tells us even before the incident with Will, he had no intention of staying. He went to his, her, huh, really? I doubt that. I'm sure that was a big part of why he left pretty swiftly. He went to his dressing room and then left the building. Then there's this. The source says Chris had no idea Jada had alopecia and that he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. Chris's joke that sparked the smack was directed at Jada's short hair, telling her he couldn't wait for G.I. Jane too. Our source says, Chris was left shaken and bewildered by Will, but he still went to Guy series Oscars after party to try and have some fun before the night ended. So he didn't even go to Diddy's after party. This guy. As for Diddy, we're told he was backstage when the whole thing went down, but he told Page Six at the Variety after party, that's not a problem, that's over. Our Chris Rock source says that's absolutely not true, and the two haven't spoken. Diddy just wanted to be talking, talking, like a talking man. Idiots. Anyway. So that's actually a really good segue into how I feel in regards to Chris, Chris Rock. Now, like I said, I feel like the joke was in poor taste. He should have known better, particularly to say it in public on stage at the Oscars and expect her to laugh and find it funny. Because I know I wouldn't like it. So he should have definitely known better. What I will say is I do feel bad for him because when you when you see the look on his face, when Will goes back to his seat. And after he said I'll keep her name Out of my mouth Or whatever And he just has to Kind of carry on And he's clearly rattled You can see like Him feeling the humiliation And the embarrassment And I do feel bad Because it's not a nice situation To be in To literally be slapped In front of everybody All your peers And you don't have you, you have no choice But to not react To be honest I feel like if he was A little bit more aware Because I genuinely think He was shocked I don't think he really Even deep the situation Until it after it happened. And Will had said that. Will shouted at him. I feel like it was then that he really compared that this motherfucker really just slapped me. Like this nigga really just got up out of his seat and slapped, slapped my face. My face. He really slapped my face. Like I really feel like he was processing it in his mind and he was probably so mad, but also embarrassed. And I felt bad for him. I don't think that's nice. I don't feel like that was deserved. That's what I will say. I definitely understand. I still stand by the fact that you cannot... Choose how people react And that's why you should be careful The shit you say Comedians included Comedians always think They have license To go over the line Sometimes for the sake of comedy You can toe the line for sure But we are living in a new age And you can't just say anything anymore I'm tired of people saying Oh you can't say anything well, no, you know you can't And the more you say that The more you make me think You're some ignorant person Who's mad That you can't get away With saying bullshit anymore That you know Is going to be hurtful And harmful to people I'm glad you can't just say anything anymore. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like comedians are not exempt from that rule. I'm sorry. People always act like they should be. And I feel like it has to be a balance. Like you have to try not to take certain things seriously if you want to be able to enjoy comedy like that, for sure. But I don't feel like, I feel like where it comes to things that you know are going to really hurt and really make people feel like, how do you think Jada would have felt in the audience? The whole crowd laughing about something that she has been open about the fact that she's struggling with and that like I'm sorry I'm a black woman she go, she was going through it when she found handfuls of her hair coming out in the shower and she really had to like the way she explained it on Red Table Talk she's she was struggling you know so as someone who has done a documentary on what hair means to us as black women there's no excuse for that joke in my opinion you should have known better. However, yeah, I don't, I didn't want him to get slapped. I felt bad for him. That's a, that's a sticky one. Cause I know I'd feel humiliated and embarrassed and really upset. I'd probably, if we're not scrapping, I'm crying. <laughs> Me personally, do you know what I mean? Like I would really find heart, find, that difficult to just eat that situation Which is why I think he went home I don't know why they're lying and saying Oh he had plans to go home straight away blah, blah, blah. Maybe but honestly I don't think it's likely The person hosting the Oscars I feel like they would have stuck around for the after party For a good while before going home I feel like it was definitely the fact That everyone saw you get slapped That made you want to go home After five uh, after two drinks At the after party Sorry um, So I hope Chris is okay I even hope that they come to some kind of resolution because I like both of them. I really like Chris Rock and I like Will Smith. And I, I like Jada. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't love, I don't love this situation. But yeah, you know, sometimes you have to be realistic to the world that we live in, and some people respond with violence. It just is what it is. I just feel like I feel bad that it was handled on stage in front of everyone. You know, I would have preferred Will Smith to slap him at the after party. Put it that way, is what I would say. And that's where I'll leave it. Um, Well, actually, no, this is where I'll leave it. I want to just say quickly, I'm going to need certain black people to stop being so obsessed with not doing certain things in front of white people. There's clearly a lot of our people walking around hoping that white people look at them as one of the good blacks. And I think that's really sad. It's really infuriating when any time like, it, it just furthers that narrative that we have to be perfect. And I hate that. Like, stop saying, oh, in front of these white people. Oh, this isn't how we should act in front of these white people. Oh, we see now these white people are just going to have any reason to think with this and that. They were already thinking that anyway. So fuck them. I, I hate that. Stop acting like anytime a black person does something wrong, it's way worse. Like, people outside of our community don't act like that. Like, it really, really aggravates me. I hate shit like that. And I also just want to quickly read the Academy Awards response. The Oscars Film Academy has said it condemns Will Smith's slapping of Chris Rock at the ceremony and has launched a formal review of the incident. A statement said it would explore further action and consequences in accordance with California law and the body's standards of conduct. So there's also talk that they are that they may take the Oscar away from him, which I think is so fucking stupid. You gave the Oscar to him after it happened. If it was such a big deal, why didn't you, at the very least, I understand maybe you didn't, you were hesitant to make a decision in the moment. But you could have put that category on hold or on pause and announced to the nominees that you're very sorry for the inconvenience, but you're going to deliberate over this overnight or, you know, after the the, the ceremony and we're going to come to you with a decision tomorrow on whether or not the person we had in mind was going to win or whatever. I know that would have kind of made it obvious that Will Smith should have won the award, but we already know that now. Do you know what I mean? It's just stupid. Like, I think it's very dumb to award him the award and then be like, oh, we're actually going to have that back because we don't think you deserve it considering your actions, even though he did that literally before you gave it to him. Like it's it's contradictory, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And him slapping him doesn't have anything to do with his, his performance in King Richard. So what are we doing here? Like, I just think that's bullshit. Like you're awarding him this Oscar because of his performance in a film. His performance hasn't changed. So why is the Oscar being removed? You can say you don't want to invite him back. By all means, he even joked about that in his speech. But taking away the award, that's bullshit. Sorry. And I think I'm going to leave it there. I was going to talk a little bit about Megan the Stallion and Carl Crawford again. But it's really, really the same old, same old. I mean, not same old, same old. You know, it's gone a little bit deeper. They've accused each other of doing coke, being a powder head. Carl Crawford said that Megan's fucked the whole industry. Sorry, that doesn't even sound believable. Him doing coke, a lot more believable. Or being a powder head, whichever. Like, the way he's acting is like someone on drugs. Do you know what I mean? So... I don't have any trouble believing that. Whether or not Meg does coke, perhaps, but I don't drag anybody for doing that. I hate when people do like, the fact that this is why it annoys me that these men feel like they have such a case against Megan. When you're basically calling her a cokehead, slut shaming her, you're just clutching at straws at this point because what the fuck does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with her contract with 1501 Entertainment and the fact that you're trying to hold on to her for dear life because she's your biggest artist and you don't know what the fuck you're going to do without her? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Tori, what does that have to do with you shooting her? Like, what are we doing here? What does that have to do with anything? This is why every time when Megan, when people bring up the whole Tori, Megan, Kelsey triangle, it's irritating because it's like, am I supposed to feel like it's fine that he shot her because she was fucking her best friend's man? If she was, that's bad. Absolutely. But she's not my best friend. That's not my nigga. What am I supposed to do? I like Megan's music and I like her. Like I like what I see from her as a person. Like I, I think she's funny. I think she's very creative. I, she's just a vibe, you know, like I like what I see from her. I'm not asking that much from her. Do you know what I mean? So when people say, oh, well she fucked her best friend. I'm like, I don't care. What am, what am I supposed to do? Beat her? Like, so when we have got to Tory Lanes doing a petition to protect black men, because, you know, oh my God, they're being ripped away from festivals and don't wait until we're lynched to do something. That That's the bullshit he came out with. I was like, oh wow, we're doing this, we're doing this. We're really doing this. Okay, okay. It's so funny that, that this is even a thing in his mind. Like, obviously it's not, like I said, clutching at straws. This is the only thing they can do to make money. It's sad. But what have black men, when have they been persecuted like that in terms of, you know, the black men that perform at festivals and such? The baby has even been invited back to Rolling Loud, if you guys didn't know. So, what are you talking about? You can literally stand on stage and say homophobic, derogatory shit and still continue to work at that same venue. So, what are we doing? What are you talking about? Protect black men like protect black people as a whole of course but when have black men specifically performers besides R Kelly deservedly so when have you lot been like what's going on I think he might be referring to Kanye I think he was pulled off some festival but I'm sorry anyone would sense will pull Kanye off a festival right now that's not about him being a black man that's about him being mad Nothing to do with him being a black man. It's just, we don't want that shit. If if I'm any promoter or festival organiser, absolutely I'm pulling Kanye off. What? You can say anything. That man could literally decide to say anything on stage. And what we should face the backlash, I think not. I think not. Let's get Hove instead. I'm joking. If they haven't got Hove instead, they couldn't. But, you know, bruh. Let's get somebody else, man. Let's get ASAP Rocky. Like all these festivals love to get, <laughs> like let's throw ASAP Rocky in there. Like we always do, you know, somebody else. But yeah, that's really it. I didn't even want to, I have the notes and everything, but it's just, you know, I've spoken about Megan a lot this episode and I've spoken about this case in detail. There's not that much to add, but what I've already mentioned. So if you're interested enough, you'll be able to gather enough from my brief little summary there. Um, I will at some point, I probably will do a separate little YouTube video on it, though, because if you have checked out my previous episode, the story of Megan and Tori, I have a whole timeline from what went down from Megan being shot to now. So at some point when I have the energy, I'm probably going to create this little segment and just put it up on YouTube as opposed to putting it up as part of a podcast episode and it will be officially added to the timeline because I'm going to do a whole YouTube video of the timeline too. So, because the the case is coming up in April 5th, as long as it doesn't get pushed back again. So that's when I'm planning on putting up the timeline video on YouTube. So this will be added onto that if you are curious. Anyway, whew, it's been an eventful episode. That's it for today. You can follow me on both ig and twitter i am hannah oj you can follow the podcast on underrated pod for twitter and the underrated podcast for instagram remember it's underrated h-e-r-r the her is intentional i am your host hannah oj please do let me know what you think of the podcast and of this episode you guys by tweeting hashtag underrated pod on twitter you can also review me on apple Podcasts. give me five stars you know i love that But for now, bye.